does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. The East region where the Boilermakers of Purdue are the fourth overall number one seed for the fourth time in school history. First time since 96, the Boilermakers are one seed. In the Midwest region, the Indiana Hoosiers are third team out of the Big Ten. Trace Jackson Davis, all Big Ten first team for the Hoosiers who finished 22 and 11 on the season. David Bowie skipping there? Is there scratching the record mark? Indiana's going to put on their red shoes and dance, so too Purdue. Selection Sunday, the only disappointment, Kevin Bowen. I had one major disappointment of Selection Sunday. What's that? When I think of Selection Sunday and I think of the NCAA tournament, particularly from my childhood, it it is usually... The first sign that that the weather has broken, and that we are starting to see glimpses at the end of the tunnel. Now there are always like kind of curveball days in the first couple of weeks of the tournament, but it's it usually was like a sunny '60s day when I was growing up, and it was like heck yeah, spring is here. Uh, it was kind of ugly yesterday. Not a pretty weekend. Yeah, I, see, I am used to obviously Selection Sunday, of course, but uh, today's the first day of high school boys golf tryouts, so I'm always used to snow this week. At some point this week, there will be snow on the ground. It's there like, was snow the, last night. How are we supposed to play golf? But yes, brackets galore. And Jake, for the first time in my lifetime, I will see Purdue and Indiana on a bracket, both as a top four seed. Um, it's been quite some time since we've seen that, but that's what we've got with Purdue as the number one seed in the East region. So that will be a path of Columbus and then Madison Square Garden if they want to get to Houston for the final four for Indiana, that path is Albany and then Kansas City, where they'd have to go through in all likelihood. Kelvin Sampson's Houston Cougars, if they want to get to uh, the state of Texas for the final four. Obviously, a ton to get to bracket wise all week long. Both Indiana Purdue will fall in the evening session on Friday. Indiana, one of the last games of round one, that will likely tip past 10 p.m. Boy, it was a loaded, I mean, just a loaded 72 hours from a local standpoint, national standpoint. A ton to get to with the Colts and Panthers situation with the Panthers trading up the number one overall pick. Bob Kravitz at 9 o'clock. Joel A. Erickson from the Star at 8 as free agency will begin pretty much at noon today. You boys have a good weekend? It was good. Uh, saw the elect at the Slippery Noodle on Saturday Looked like night. it was rocking, that picture you sent. It was great. Marty was there. Um, anytime Michael's there, Chris Melby was there from the Pacers, and it was great. They sounded awesome, and it's that's kind of a sign also that spring and summer is upon us. So it was fun. Mark, great weekend. Parents came down for my uh, oldest daughter's grand friends night, which was Thursday. So they were here Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We got some housework done. My dad and I installed a new sink, did some bathroom work, so we were busy there. And then yesterday we went down to Squire Boone Caverns. We did a cave tour. Now that. where is Squire Boone? They played Billy Squire the whole time? Yeah. It's Corridon. I mean, yeah, that's the state's first capital. Yeah. yeah I've, been, I've been down there. Wyandotte, right? 
Mm-hmm. Now, yep. how how do you go spelunking? How tight a? Well, it's just a tour, so they have like you know a path you go on and everything like that. There was one path that they're like, oh, you could go that way, but they're excavating because it collapsed a little bit. I'm like, well, that sounds. <laughs> yeah, let's stay out of yeah. there. Let's oh, not right. go that way. Yeah. Uh, Rosie and I did a pillow fort cave. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's that, That'd be cool. Yeah. So it was actually you know, pretty much a similar weekend. Uh, nice. Could you guys go, if you were spelunking, could you, in actual, like in southern Indiana, and people do this, you know, would you be able to go through, if you knew that there was like a tunnel that you had to go through to get into like a huge cavernous cave? But it was a tunnel that had like one one inch all the way around room for you to wiggle through. So you knew you weren't going to get stuck, but it was really confined. And let's say it was you know nine feet long. Could you go through it? Could you get on your I mean, belly and go long, through? That's not too you, bad. I I, yeah, I mean, I probably could, but it certainly wouldn't be my favorite activity in my life. I, what happens if you just fr- like that? Kind of gives me anxiety. I don't have a body that really contorts very well. Like I think it'd be tough, right? Yeah. Probably not your easiest thing to do on that day. Yeah. Um, Purdue, what they have accomplished this year, Jake, I know obviously gets it Friday, and boy, I think Memphis looming as a potential second-round matchup could be quite the matchup for the Boilers, but uh, I, I do want to start here. Big Ten champions over the weekend. They hold on, <laughs> frankly, they hold on for dear life against Penn State. The Brandon Newman turnover, I'm still curious if he was trying to throw the game at that point there late. Uh, but Zach Eady, Big Ten a tournament MVP and Purdue cuts down the nets at the United Center. Jake, I don't think it's hyperbole to say they just accomplished one of the best seasons that conference has seen in decades. I mean, you win the conference by three games. That speaks for itself. And I think that probably is a greater accomplishment than winning the Big Ten tournament. But then you kind of just, you kind of stamp it. Um, you validate it a little bit by winning the Big Ten tournament. Upsets galore. Purdue avoids all those landmines as they cut down the nets. Yes, I know what March and April means, and that's largely the evaluation process we go off of, but let's not overlook Purdue just accomplished one of the finest Big Ten seasons in quite some time, and considering what they lost from last year, that probably adds to it. I think, actually it was Derek Schultz that said this best on Twitter, but it's it's a very good point. Uh, Purdue this year did what Purdue last year was supposed to do, Right. Purdue last year was supposed to run away with the Big Ten and win the Big Ten tournament. And Purdue last year was probably supposed to go to the Final Four. So we'll see if they accomplish that last feat as well. But it is remarkable. To win the conference by multiple... To me, there was no question whether or not Penn State completed that comeback yesterday was at that point irrelevant. By halftime of that game against Penn State, I think Purdue had punched their ticket as a number one seed, partially because UCLA didn't reach out and grab it. But there, if you really look, I'll tell you the team, if Purdue's resume, and I know they have, it was swept by Indiana, they have, some, which isn't terrible. I mean, that's not, those aren't egregious losses, but their resume from early on, and in particular, Purdue got helped, Kevin, in terms of their resume by other teams having great year. You know, Gonzaga turning out to, to riding the ship and becoming a really good team in a top three seed, and Purdue blew them off the floor. Has that on the resume. Marquette's another one. You know, those things helped. But <coughs> Purdue never had a total collapse. I mean, each time that they hit rough waters, they managed to seem to kind of straighten it out, which is what you want great teams to do. And, 
you know, the teams amongst the number ones, because it, this is a, an interesting tournament and an interesting year because there is no one team. It's been a long time since we've had a tournament where it wasn't like blank and everyone's chasing them. But you look at Kansas. Kansas was in the running for the number one overall seed in the tournament. And Kevin, Kansas's losses, they have like seven losses. They're all by double digits. When Kansas loses, they get blown off the floor. Uh, every team in here is susceptible. It's 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 fascinating. Yeah, obviously Houston dealing with a big injury with Marcus Sasser, um, their best player. He did not play in the American Conference title game. Memphis beat Houston in that title game. Had a big lead on them early, so that'll be something to keep an eye on. Certainly Alabama, as talented as they are and as terrific of a player as Brandon Miller, they have a looming cloud hanging over them throughout the tournament. So Alabama slotted into the Louisville region. That is the south region. If you're looking at your bracket, that's top left. Bottom left, we'll have Purdue in the New York region. That's Madison Square Garden if they make it to the Sweet 16. Top right, that would be Houston going to Kansas City in the Midwest region. Kansas gets shipped out to Las Vegas. They're in the bottom right that West region, if you look at, I know a lot of people like to look at those Ken Palm rankings of the top, um, I think the West region has five of the top 11 teams in Ken Palm. So that seems to be, if there is a loaded region, you would point and that's which one's number one? That. Uh, Kansas is the one seed. Your two would be UCLA. Your three, Gonzaga. Your four, UConn, who I really like. Um, five seed, St. Mary's, six, TCU. Um, so that is the one that I think a lot of people pointed to is the toughest region. Uh, no Rutgers, no Wisconsin, no Michigan. So the three Big Ten teams that entered the Big Ten tournament on the bubble, all three of them miss out. Chris Reynolds, former, of course, IU player, the committee chair, mentioned yesterday some injuries played into that for Rutgers. And then, you know, with their current group, the group that would be there in the tournament, they were three and seven. This year, a really poor non-conference schedule. So, a year after Rutgers gets into the playing game in Dayton, they will not be there. What do you think about? I, I it was funny. I was texting a, uh, a buddy of mine yesterday. I'm like, "Watch this. IU is going to play Kent State four thirteen matchup. You know, just Rob Senderhoff, uh, the former Kelvin Sampson assistant. Sure enough, nine fifty five Friday night in Albany, New York. It will be IU against." Kent State. What do you think about the uh, draw for the Hoosiers? Yeah, I thought Indiana got a pretty decent draw, actually, because here's here was my thought. And Kent State's not bad. I, you know, I mean, obviously that's a team that out of a mid-major, so you're not getting one of the, like, really small schools. But I thought Indiana, Kevin, played themselves into or backed their way into, if you will. My worry was that they were going to be, and maybe this is what happened, the fourth number four seed, which means they get the toughest number 13 seed. If you look at the other 13 seeds, Furman, which is the Paladins, by the way. Uh, do we know what a Paladin is, Mark? It's a Star Wars guy, isn't it? Paladin. This is not like a drum. Paladin, Paladin, where of. do you roam? It was, the, it was the TV show that the kids sing about in Stand By Me. That's all I know. Louisiana was a 13 seed, and Iona. And Iona, I think, is decent. But So I do think that Indiana slid back a little bit and was close to being a five. Kevin, um, but I think their draw, I, I think their region is fairly favorable. You know what I mean? Like, I think that if you, to your point, all the regions obviously are going to have some loaded teams in it, right? I mean, you've got to divide them up somehow. But 
That second rounder, I think Drake can be a little tricky. Miami is a little intriguing, but you're maybe getting Houston limping a little bit. So for Indiana, and then the bottom of it, Texas is a little worrisome because of what they just did to Kansas, and they're obviously good. We know that Indiana can beat Xavier. So I think I think Indiana got about as good a draw as you could hope for, to be honest with you. Uh, Miami's big guy, and again, that's the 5-12 Miami Drake opposite Indiana Kent State. Miami's big man uh, got hurt against Duke in the ACC tournament. That will be, I think it was a sprained ankle. That'll be something, obviously, to monitor, not only for Miami's first-round game, but potentially facing Trace Jackson Davis in the second round. You know, talked about the Marcus Sasser injury earlier, Houston's best player. Uh, Kent State is 28-6 and on the year. They went 15 and three, the second place team in the MAC. Uh, they dominated Toledo in the MAC title game. They are an old team. Their top three scores are all redshirt seniors. Again, when you think of a Kelvin Sampson former assistant, you know, put all the off the court jokes aside for a second. You certainly know they're going to get after you on the defensive end. And kind of unlike Houston, a bit. They really put up a ton of points, Kent State. Um, not afraid to shoot it from anywhere on the floor. Um, I think they saw their top 20 in steals. If you look at their schedule this year, they went 15-3 and in the MAC. They actually lost at Ball State by 12. Uh, in the non-conference, they lost three games all on the road to tournament teams. They lost to Charleston by two. They lost to Houston by five. So that was Senderhoff facing Kelvin Sampson, the former assistant, squaring off there. And they lost to Gonzaga by seven. So um, this does seem to be, at least in the non-conference, they tested themselves at Houston, at Gonzaga. And I think the early line I saw on this one was Indiana favored right around five. You know, Indiana, Kevin, and it is odd to only have two you know, Indiana teams that we're talking about, IU and Purdue, right? Indiana feels like a team that could go out, not shoot the ball well, and have one of those just feel like you're stuck in the mud games and lose to Kent State by five. They also feel like a team that could go out and 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 get hot and Jalen Hood Shafino starts waking up that mid-game range, mid-game, excuse me, shot, and Trace Jackson Davis, we know what he can do. And all of a sudden, some shots start dropping, and boom, Indiana becomes the hot team, and let's go, and they're in the Final Four. To me, they feel equally plausible. Uh, For Purdue, they will have to wait to know their opponent. They are part of the uh, play-in. Texas Southern, the worst team in the tournament, and then Fairleigh Dickinson, they will meet Wednesday in Dayton. Purdue will take on the winner of that again. Purdue's going to play in Columbus, so you know the winner in Dayton, that's not too far of a travel for them. Uh, And then Memphis and Dusty May in Florida Atlantic at 31-3. That is the 8-9 matchup for Purdue. Jake Penny Hardaway and Memphis, they've got a pretty good team. mentioned they just beat Houston yesterday. To win the American, they've beaten tournament teams in Vanderbilt and VCU and Auburn this season. Um, that that to me is kind of an interesting matchup for for Purdue. Duke is the five, Tennessee is the four. They would not see either of those teams until the East Region. Uh, Tennessee's missing their best player. Um, if you look at it, I would say from a like two, three, four seed standpoint, if you told a Purdue fan yesterday, "Hey, you're going to get Marquette, Kansas State, and Tennessee." You would have been like, okay, sign me up for that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, 
You know, I, you, you, you of course got to get there, and there's gonna, naturally going to be some upsets. But I think from a two, three, four standpoint, you got to be pretty pleased if you're if you're the Boilers. I tell you, Memphis scares me though. I would agree. I would agree. I, there's with that. just something uh-huh. about Memphis that that that's you know, and I don't know if I'm just going off of reputation. When I think of Memphis, I just think of teams that are that absolutely create havoc. Kind of going back to Penny Hardaway, to the way he played. Right, he played at such a frantic pace and they always have you know six seven to six nine guys that are that are long uh, memphis worries me a little bit yeah their best players a little guard kendrick davis but they do have a six nine um actually transfer i think from ball state if i'm not mistaken uh memphis this season lost to alabama by three they beat nebraska by 12 if you're looking for common opponents there uh the last two months and this probably shows you a little bit more of how poor the american conference was this season they lost three games two of those were to houston and then they avenged the houston loss yesterday in the conference title game uh they also lost to ron hunter's Tulane green wave by one in overtime, if they play Florida Atlantic, Purdue again, Florida Atlantic thirty-one and three. Florida Atlantic has a seven-one, two hundred and forty-pound Russian dude. How great would that be to see Zach Eady and that guy face off? <laughs> I like. Can you describe him again, please? Seven-one, two forty uh, Russian dude. <laughs> Last think, name Goldine. You think on campus that's what he's known as? Hey, you see that Russian dude walking around? Jake, I would say in the Boca Raton area, seven-one, two forty stands out a bit. Seven-one, two forty stands out anywhere. Yeah, to no be kidding. fair. Uh, but that could be a potential second-round matchup for the Boilers. Uh, obviously, a big part of this week, and Jake, you have cooked this up. Um, numbers game. And we actually have prizes Hell this yes, year, right? Oh, yes, we have actual prizes. Can you believe that? And it's not just drinking PBR and eating Long's Donuts with us I mean, in the morning. Oh, and by the way, maybe you could. Let, let me say, Friday, the PBR Donut Show, rave reviews. Rave reviews. Yeah. I'm not saying that you need to be going around... And doing this on a Friday yeah, basis, <laughs> but but rave reviews. By the way, um, you have been to the garage at Bottleworks District, right? Oh, it's a favorite of of the family. Mark, you been there? Yep, love it. Because here's the thing: you go down like we went downtown Saturday night to to the Noodle, and you know you kind of get tired of going to the same restaurants all the time. That's what Bottleworks and the Garage is there for, exactly that. And one of the best places that you're going to be able to get food there: Jay's Lobsters and Fish, uh, Jay's Lobster and Fish Market in the Garage. Right there, serving up the taste of the East Coast. Matter of fact, Matthew and Maine will love it because they have plenty of lobster, crab, and shrimp rolls. New England-style seafood shack. Bringing a taste of the East right here to Indianapolis, and here's what we're going to do. The winner of the so our tournament bracket pool. We now have the opportunity for four. Yes, that's that's correct. Four ways to win. So This is an addition, right? Because usually it's just three. Usually just three. Now we have enough for four. A lot of participation trophies being handed out here. So the winner that gets the team that wins the national title is going to get $100 worth of dinner. Go out for dinner at Jay's Lobster and Fish Market at Bottle Works, which in itself is a totally cool area. $100 dinner for the national champion, he or she who draws the national champion. Then, of course, the runner-up, going to get a $50 dinner. But you don't have to have just a good team in order to win. That's right. the beauty of all this. Two other ways to win. You can have the, the Peacocks. The double-digit seed to advance the furthest. The Peacocks was that team a year ago. Now, the tiebreaker, because let's say, for example, that two number 12 seeds get the furthest, okay, and then they both lose in the same round. They both lose in the Elite Eight. First tiebreaker becomes then which one loses to 
the better team. That gives them benefit of the doubt that they win. So if, if one loses to a one seed, the other's ousted by a seven seed. The one that loses to the one seed then becomes your winner. Uh, after that, it becomes a – if they're still the same seed line, then it becomes cumulative scoring. That, those are, These are the query tiebreakers. Okay, got it. Uh, and then lastly, the team to get blown out by the largest margin. So, for example, if you draw – Texas Southern or you know whatever and right. you're like oh man well if they lose by 38 you got a shot now we have Valerie who is the official scorekeeper of the show oh and Valerie her only you tell me if this is fair I'll let you guys as the panel decide mm-hmm. she wanted to pick a number she wanted to be able to f- pick the, f- the first number oh okay she randomly assigned the number so she probably knows who the teams are it sounds a little insider trading if i'm gonna be totally honest but each team in the field big phil mickelson did that each one. team in the field has been assigned a random number so people call in they say i'd like number nine because my child's nine years old and was born on september 9th no problemo number nine hey, boom, max was you born have... on september 9th yeah see there you go that's exactly what i was Look thinking at that you ain't Did dealing you know with that? The, you, ain't, you ain't dealing with the By champion, the way, we yeah. put Max in the Barcelona outfit the other day. Maddie loved it. <laughs> really? Loved it. We Finally almost, grew into I, it, right? Honestly, it was almost the same day we put Rosie. Rosie wanted to wear her Clemson dress. Hell yes. I said, I don't think they're making a tournament. We got to put that back. <laughs> they did make the tournament, did they? And they were like ranked were at one point this year. Yeah, them, Oklahoma State, North Carolina, of course. I thought Rutgers was going to get in, to be honest with you. I, I appreciated Chris Reynolds' transparency in explaining that. Yesterday, again, from an injury standpoint, the wing's name I starts with an M. I always butcher how to pronounce it. But since he got hurt, they went three and seven the rest of the way. And, you know, Jake, remember last week when we were talking about Rutgers and it was like, this is Indiana from last year. They're going to win that 8-9 game. And everyone thought Indiana was in last right. year after winning the 8-9. But no, you got to go beat the one seed. You're right. You're and that right. was Rutgers' opportunity with Purdue and, of course, they did not win that one. So thank you to Jay's Lobster. We will give out those numbers a lot here over the next few days. Um, we'll we'll give you a little warning on when we're going to ask for callers for that. But that is something that I know listeners love. So thank you uh, to them for that. Again, Joel A. Erickson from the Star at 8. Bob Kravitz at 9. Mark Dykton, I know we traded a few texts on Friday. Mm-hmm. Your level of excitement, non-excitement, when you saw the Bears move back to number nine. Over the moon. Number nine? Yeah. Great number trade nine. by Ryan Poles. You got two number ones, two number twos, and a legit number one wide receiver in DJ Moore, which apparently was the uh, the caveat that he was hoping to get. They offered apparently the third, a third first-round pick for 2025, but Ryan Poles said, I'd rather have the legit number one wide receiver who's cost-controlled for the next three years. So they threw DJ Moore in. Deal got done. Bears look great. Obviously, a lot of Colts implications off of that. We will touch on, um, for me, I guess, just kind of two things briefly on it. The Colts continue to lose control ahead of them uh, because you had a quarterback needy team move up to one. You have a non-quarterback needy team trade out of one. So that obviously is not ideal. And I would say the other thing, it was just a reminder of where this franchise is at. Like, the, the, the Colts could not have done such a trade that Carolina did. We'll explain that a little bit more. Um, but I would say two things. Again, you're losing control, and I'd say for the first time in this process, I'm sitting here a month and a half out of the draft and thinking, should the Colts wait? Should the Colts call Lamar Jackson? Those are thoughts I would not have entertained seriously 
Friday morning. But now those are questions I've actually asked myself and think, gosh, do you really want to go with Will Levis or Anthony Richardson at four? Or should you wait? And that is such a thought that I think our listeners know I've never even entertained. Always felt like they when you lacked say wait, urgency. When you say wait, what do you mean by that? Potentially wait till 2024, Jake. I know. Trust me. And it is a foreign thought that I do not. But I, you, you are then... I don't like it at all. And I have been the, probably one of the biggest advocates in saying you got to get the bat off your shoulders. Then you you're can't. waiting for Caleb Williams or the kid out of North Carolina. And You know, what happens if... There's, I know. There, there's a lot of sucky It's teams, no slam man. dunk that you just get that guy next year. No doubt. No, and there's no no guarantee that you're going to be in like, the running to be able to get one of those Tampa guys next year. Tampa doesn't even know if they're going to be able to field a team based on their salary cap. And and you're trying to lobby to get in the front of the left lane there to get a number one pick? I mean... It's just the reality of when you look at I'm now being the teams, sarcastic about Tampa, by the way, but they're like $75 million over the cap. You know, if you look at the teams above you, obviously Carolina's going quarterback. Obviously Houston's going quarterback. If I'm Chris Ballard right now, I've got to move up to number three because I need to be now in control of that first breaking point. I know, you know, moving up one spot might not seem like the biggest deal in the world, but at least at three now, you're the one that gets to kind of maneuver. Yeah, and, and, you're and making the choice calls. between Levis and Richardson, right? It's not other teams dictating who's going to be left for you at number four. So we'll certainly touch on that today as well. Uh, it is kind of an ugly start to the Monday, or at least I, I think weather-wise. Start to the week. Yeah, it's supposed to be a little bit of a poor weather day. So um, we'll obviously monitor that. A whole lot to get to on this March Madness Monday here. Recap and selection Sunday and previewing free agency. The Colts have already made one move here in free agency. Uh, we'll chat about that more with Joel A. Erickson from the Star coming up at 8. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton on a PBR free Long's Donut free Monday. Jake, the Purdue Boilermakers validate their Big Ten regular season title with a tournament championship 67-65 yesterday over Penn State. No shock here. Zach Eady is your Big Ten tournament MVP. He was outstanding in all three games, averaged 26-12. and He had 30-13 and yesterday. And I think if you're a Purdue fan, maybe the thing that you are most pleased about in those three games what David Jenkins gave you off the bench. 8 of 12 from behind the arc with Fletcher Lawyer continuing to struggle from long range. Purdue needs somebody else, particularly in the backcourt, to step up. And Jenkins gave that to the Boilers. Here's Matt Painter afterwards on big on the Big Ten title. Um, you know, anytime you're you know competitive, you want to win the games that are in front of you. And like I talked about earlier, sometimes it just simply doesn't matter. Sometimes it does matter, you know, and it can go the other direction. But you know, you also can build off things, and that's what like there's some things that reared its ugly head, you know, like with with Preston and uh, taking care of the basketball in some key times that we got to do a better job of. And, and so like that's what you need to work on. You need to work on that, but you also can't forget. Hey, we got to keep taking care of the basketball. Seven turnovers is still pretty good you know our, our average for the tournament was under 10 that's that's pretty good you know we, we got to keep it there but we also got to dominate the glass you hope to shoot better but defense and rebounding travel and sometimes your jumper doesn't we hope our jumpers packed but that, that's part of basketball if you have a cold night can you still beat a really good team on a neutral court that's a challenge that's a challenge but you got to be able to, the great ones can do that they can survive a tough one like today and then be able to move on what we do know is that Purdue will be playing 
on St. Patrick's Day. That is Friday, I believe, at 6.50 p.m. That game against the winner of Texas Southern and is it Fairleigh Dickinson uh-huh. after you? Yep. Yep. Uh, that game will in Columbus, right? Get underway. That's correct. At six fifty p.m., roughly six fifty p.m. Those are usually staggered out a little bit. On TNT, Purdue will be playing on Friday. That same night, by the way, after that, because Indiana is the late game. Indiana, of course, the four seed. They will be taking on Kent State. That game scheduled to start thirty minutes after the Drake game. That uh, is taking place against Miami of Florida. I think it is right before them. So Indiana going to be playing the late game on Friday night. So the stage is set for March Madness. Uh, Kevin, have you had a chance to pick out your final four yet? Ooh, uh, I haven't gone all the way there yet. Fair. But I will say one of the teams that I kind of like that's not on the one or two line, I like UConn a lot. Okay. They got out to a great start. They were one of the last teams. Matter of fact, were they the second to last or last team to lose as an undefeated this year? Sounds about right. Uh, I'll tell you what. I like Kentucky. Ooh. I don't know much they about... They got Providence, is that right? 6 Yeah, matchup? and they and Kentucky's right there. If they win that, then they've got to play... They're, they're kind of in that same little pod, I think, with they Tennessee. They play the winner of Kansas State or Montana State. Kansas State, another team. Kansas that, State's another team. I don't know much like, about them, they right? They lost to Butler this year. Can they be that good? Yeah. Like, is Tennessee good? They're 23-10. and 10. Tennessee, without their best player, looks Every like. team in this tournament is 23-10, and 10, <laughs> right? Uh, no Rutgers, no Michigan, no Wisconsin from a Big Ten standpoint. If you're looking for the Big Ten teams and where they're seated, Purdue's a one, IU's a four, Michigan State and Northwestern are both seven seeds. Eight seeds are Maryland and Iowa, Illinois is a nine, and Penn State is a 10 seed. Uh, Jake, in the women's tournament, you've got the Hoosiers. They will be hosting in rounds one and two. Uh, They will get the winner of a play-in, either Monmouth or Tennessee Tech. That comes up on Saturday. Uh, So Indiana's... Indiana women will play on opposite days of the men. So good news there for the Hoosiers faithful. And I saw you didn't think Notre Dame women. You you, you discredited Notre Dame women yesterday. They are in, Jay. And the Indiana women. They are a three seed. They are hosting Southern Utah. Uh, The Purdue women in the play-in game. Uh, They will play in Columbus. So for Purdue fans, you get to watch uh, the men on Friday and then the women on Thursday, actually. They play against St. John's there. So we do get three in-state teams from a women's standpoint. And again, those tournaments officially start coming up um, this weekend for the women. Uh, Last night in the Academy Awards, Brendan Fraser, Best Actor winner for The Whale. I mentioned that only because... Either one of you guys know why I mentioned it? Uh, He's a local. Indiana? He was born in Indianapolis. He is... I said he's a local. I couldn't sound like I'm from Indiana more there. Uh, That's right. James Baskett, by the way, who was in The Song of the South, won and graduated from Tech High School. Sadly, couldn't even go to many of the awards shows when that movie was nominated because he was African-American and it was obviously... uh, It was in Atlanta, a lot of the awards shows, and he couldn't go. Uh, He passed away before the Academy Awards of 1948 was given an honorary degree. He is a graduate of um, Tech High School and a native of Indianapolis, buried here in Crown Hill. But Brendan Fraser, in terms of best actor, I believe Brendan Fraser is the first Indianapolis-born person to win a Best Actor Academy Award. I think of him as George of the Jungle. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. He was like a... He was gracious in his speech. I, I thought that... Data from the Goonies winning Best Picture was the, or not, not Best Picture winning and uh, Best Supporting Actor was was great. 
Hadn't hadn't acted in 30 years, and in his comeback role, he wins an Oscar. Pretty cool. Uh, and he gets to win Best Picture, and Harrison Ford's there. So it's a Temple of Doom that's reunion. Right. That's right. pretty awesome. And he, you could tell he was like thrilled by that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, tonight, the Pacers in Detroit again. This is actually kind of like the Mad Ants versus the Motor City Crews, if you're looking at the injury reports for these two teams. On Saturday night, the Pacers beat the Pistons 121-115. Tyrese Halliburton didn't play. Benedict Mathern didn't play. Miles Turner didn't play. All three of those guys are again out tonight, along with T.J. McConnell. And Buddy Heald is questionable. Buddy Heald's played in every game this season. He's questionable. Well, the Pistons, Jay Ivey's got COVID. A boy on Bogdanovich is out. Cade Cunningham is out and has been out for a while. Isaiah Stewart's out. So, uh, again, this matchup has turned into kind of G League type of matchup. But the Pacers, um, they get the win on Friday. Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, uh, big minutes for both of them. They both... Played very well. Andrew Nemhard running the point had 19 for them. So after tonight in Detroit, the Pacers will then return home to take on the Bucks Thursday night. Or excuse me, they're at the Bucks Thursday, home to the Sixers on Saturday. So a much different look uh, to the end of this week for the Pacers. Uh, but they are trying to knock on that play-in door. Uh, when we come back, we'll get into... The big news that occurred Friday evening, and that was the Carolina Panthers and Frank Reich trading up to the number one overall pick. The ramifications for the Colts with free agency pretty much starting at noon today. We'll chat about that next. Is that a Chris Ballard down the veteran quarterback path again? You reference right there? Yep, yep. Mark Dykton on it per usual here to start this Monday morning. A lot of bracket talk, but the big news from Friday around the NFL with the Carolina Panthers Shooting up to the number one overall pick with the Chicago Bears. That trade, um, I think, felt like Carolina was the team that was going to be the most aggressive at some point, and they clearly were. Um, I'm pretty convinced that that deal was in place ahead of the combine, and Ryan Poles was talking about just like, hey, can anybody beat what we've got right Mm -hmm. here? You know, I thought it was a really, you know, when you look at the trade, Obviously, the Bears move back to nine. They get Carolina's second second round pick this season. They get Carolina's first rounder next year. And then they get Carolina's second rounder in 2025. And they get DJ Moore. For those unfamiliar with the career so far of DJ Moore, he's been very durable. He's been pretty darn consistent. He's been in the league for five years and had 3,000-yard seasons, and he's played with quarterbacks that are not very good. So I think that is the appeal to get DJ Moore. And before we get into, I guess, the draft ramifications Colts-wise, I think what stood out to me about this trade goes back to last offseason. When you had all these rumors of, you know, where's Aaron Rodgers going to go? Where's Deshaun Watson going to go? Where's Russell Wilson going to go? said quite often on the show, the Colts can't even entertain these offers. The Colts can't entertain an offer for Devontae Adams, for Tyreek Hill, because they didn't have the first-round pick last season because of the Carson Wentz trade. Well, I look at what Carolina did with Chicago, and I don't think the Colts could have done something like this, even though they had the fourth pick. And the big reason for that is, I guess, two things. One is, DJ Moore is much better than Michael Pittman in that he's been more consistent, higher producer, a little bit more durable as well. Uh, That's a guy that has just established himself 
more in his NFL career than the Colts have found at wideout in several years. And it goes back to the, the old Chris Ballard adage of he's found nice talent, but they're not at the most impactful positions, whereas this one qualifies for that. The second thing is, and again, credit to Carolina for this last year, Carolina realized they were going down a bad path last season, and hell, they still almost made the playoffs. But what did they do? They traded away Christian McCaffrey. And in doing so, they got an additional second-round pick from San Francisco along with some other picks. So if you look at this for Carolina, yes, they trade up to one, and they give up a whole lot. But they're going to come back, and they're going to have their own second-round pick this year. They gave them San Francisco's second-round pick. So Carolina has done a very nice job here of, yes, they gave up a lot to move to one, but they also didn't totally mortgage the future to where they can come back in the second round, draft in all likelihood some sort of weapon for their young quarterback. And again, the fact that they have that key piece in DJ Moore, the Colts don't have that key piece that they are able to trade. It was a reminder to me, Jake, of the Colts' issues and seeing what Carolina was able to do. The Colts can't entertain these sorts of trades because they don't have the in-house resources to be as attractive as other teams. Is it possible that the Colts looked at it and said, you know what? This isn't the, and I'm not saying it's a dangerous, the, the NFL stands for not for long. And that's how long you should wait on situations. Not for long. If you got an issue on your team, you got to address it. And the Colts keep kicking down, kicking the can. Here's the thing, though: the Colts can kick the can for 20 years on the quarterback situation. Doesn't matter. People are still going to go to games. What do they care, right? People are still interested, but they got to win, and we know that they got to win. Ballard's done a masterful job of extending that rope, but I think everybody knows this is the year they have to finally address the quarterback situation. But is it possible that they are maybe smarter than Carolina? And are looking at it and saying that there's not the guy that jumps out at number one that is definitively mortgage, move up, guaranteed level talent. We can get a guy at whether it's the third or fourth quarterback. We're, we're comfortable with that, and 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 that's what we're going to do because we're better to do that than we are to give up assets, which is what I've been wondering, I'm not saying is, is the case, but wondering for a while, are you better off just sitting where you are and letting others jeopardize themselves to move up? Yeah, you can look at it one of two ways, Jake. You could say it's others jeopardizing themselves, but it's also others deciding what you're going to get at four. And that's my issue. Others is, deciding for you. Yes. Like, you know, I mentioned this on Friday in a, in, in a tweet. This trade means the the Colts are going to get the third choice at quarterback in this draft, at best. And again, I don't mean that the Colts are going to get the quarterback they rank third on their board. They might have these quarterbacks ranked very differently. But in having Carolina go to one and having Houston now at two, assuming Arizona stays at three, which is probably an unfair assumption right now. That pick is gold. Arizona can do whatever they want with that pick. They could take Will Anderson. They could trade it back. That That's the new like start of the draft if you want to have an unpredictability standpoint. It's Arizona at three. But the Colts now, if they stay at four and they take a quarterback, at best, they are going to get the third quarterback choice. Again, that's not necessarily how they have it ranked, 
But just by sheer numbers, you're going to have a quarterback go one. You're going to have a quarterback go two. Let's say no QB goes three. You're going to get the third guy. And Jake, you can point to drafts where the third quarterback has been the best QB in that draft. Right. I mean, Justin Herbert, probably Burrow is is better. But I mean, Herbert was the third quarterback. Uh, Sean Watson was the third quarterback in his draft. There are other. Josh Allen was the third quarterback in his draft. But again, it's the fact that you have to dodge other teams quarterback bullets and think about it in Carolina's case I don't know maybe I'm reading too much into this but Jake you have Frank Reich and Brian Decker in Carolina Brian Decker very close to Chris Ballard big personality coach a guy that's been on the road this fall and scouting out quarterbacks you don't think Brian Decker and Frank Reich have some Colts intel do you think that's a team that just moved up that's not the Arizona Cardinals or not the, you know, New Orleans Saints. That's a team that moved up that has direct insight into your organization. And so now it's a divisional team at two, a team at one in Carolina that has people from your own building that are now down there. I think there is a decent to good chance that those people had a general idea of what the Colts want. And that played into the need to go up to number one. The I think it's possible that Bryce Young at the Combine, his measurables devalued the number one overall pick, at least from the Colts' standpoint. Maybe I'm way off base there. Didn't he like improve on what people thought, though? I mean, didn't they know he was short and he weighed in more than... Here's, here's a good question for you. Let me ask you this. The four number one seeds are Purdue, Alabama, Houston, and Kansas. Do you see a greater difference? Which of those four do you think is the best team? Who had the best season? Purdue, Alabama, Houston, and Kansas. It's probably probably Bama. Okay, Alabama. And which one would you say is the, the has the weakest resume? Which one's the most vulnerable? Which one do you expect to be the first bounced? Well, due to injury, I'd say Houston right okay. now. Okay. Do you think the gap between Alabama and Houston is more or less than the gap between the number one and the number four quarterbacks in the draft? Oh, definitely the gap. One to four quarterbacks is bigger. Think so? Yeah, because it kind of has to be. I, I laugh at like every year people are like, how do so many people get the quarterback selection wrong in the NFL? Well, there's 32 teams. You can't all get it right. It's a competition, you know. Oh, I, uh, how come people swing and miss at head coaches so often? Well, you can't have thirty-two successful coaches. You can't have twenty-five of them. There has to be just natural parity throughout that. So, I mean, yeah, it's very rare, I think, to see, you know, more than two quarterbacks in a draft. That's again. rare here. Thank you. Um, it, it's not something that you typically see, of course. Now, again, if I were Chris Ballard, I'd think moving up to number three and doing that as quickly as possible would be something that I would look into. Even if you're not necessarily, even if you're not 100%, 100% sold on what you're going to do at quarterback, I still think you want to be in position of control. And right now, that's the new position of control in this draft because you've got a team right behind you in Seattle that has an additional first-rounder at number 20. You've got a team right two spots behind you in Detroit that has the 18th overall pick. And... I want to get up to three to either, again, assuming it's C.J. Stroud at one, Bryce Young at two, which I think some people believe that will be the order right now. Either you take Richardson or Levis, or you can pivot from there. You could, you could trade back again. You could take Will Will Anderson. And 
this is again a thought that I did not have at all last week, but it's a discussion you have to have inside of your building right now. What if you draft Will Anderson from Alabama and he gives you double digit sacks for the next decade? Is that the path you should go down? That's another area that's been greatly lacking. Massive area of need. Huge position of importance in the NFL. I've got like that talking to me, but then the other side of me is like, wait a minute. You just went 4-12-1. You have the fourth overall pick. If you go 4-12-1 and and you have the fourth overall pick and you have no answer at quarterback and you waste this opportunity, isn't that like a wasted draft almost? I think the Colts look at it. First off, I, I'm going to go by what I've always thought. I, I've always felt like the Colts looked at it and thought that the gap from one to four was not as great as what they have to give up. And the more that time passes, and I could be totally wrong on this, and I'm not, I'm not confident to sit here and say this as fact, but when I was told that Jim Irsay loves Will Levis – it looks more and more like Jim Irsay loves Will Levis. Yeah, see, Jake, I don't think the Colts could have produced the trade package that Carolina did, though. Maybe. You can do anything if you put your mind to it. All you got to do is watch Back to the Future. They'll tell you that. But you don't have a DJ Moore. You don't have two second-round picks, picks. Like, like Carolina got. Carolina was able to produce a trade package that the Colts couldn't. And that, I think, is an organizational issue you've had for the last couple of seasons when the big quarterback names have hit the open market or even the big wide receiver names the last two years in Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. Based off either who you have on your roster or the picks you have, you just haven't been in a position to do something like you saw either the Panthers do or in last year's case, you can point to the several big moves we saw this time of year. All right, we'll get more into this conversation coming up next. Joel A. Erickson from the Star joins us. He broke the news yesterday. Tyquan Lewis, I thought it was a very smart deal by the Colts to bring back Tyquan Lewis. Obviously, health is a concern. It's only a one-year deal. But when healthy, he is a consistent, versatile, and trustworthy piece. And uh, on the defensive line, that comes in handy for you, considering the health of that group in recent years. So we'll talk more with Joel Erickson coming up in a few as free agency for the NFL begins at noon. Just after 8 o'clock on a Monday, NCAA Tournament Selection Monday, if you want to call it that, after yesterday's announcement, Purdue a number one seed, Indiana a four seed, both of them will play on Friday night. We will, over the course of the week, be giving away our numbers. We have actual prizes now uh, to get you dinner at the garage at Bottleworks. More on that coming up. Feels so good to hold it, Jake. I'm just looking at it. What? <laughs> the actual prize information there. You might want to be a little more descriptive Mark. next And the time. bracket. Mark, gosh. The bracket, the bracket of course. Beautiful. It's the be- It literally is like the best week of the year, no question about it. But in addition to college basketball that will dominate the majority of talk this week, there is NFL free agency underway. Joining us now on the Payless Liquors hotline, he is the guy that talked about the fact that Tyquan Lewis is going to stay in Indianapolis. Joel A. Erickson of the Indianapolis Star joins us. Joel, we'll begin with that. Was that a surprise to you that a Tyquan Lewis deal came about as quickly as it did? No, actually, this is this is right around. I don't know if he signed on Sunday last year, but he signed right around the same time uh, last year. I think there's there's a recognition from Lewis that you know, just given the patellar tendon injury, that the Colts are probably the best situation for him. And and the 
Chris Broward has always loved him uh, with, I mean, with good reason in terms of what he brings on the field. If you if you look at the deal too, I mean, it's it's super heavily incentive laden. It's not like they gave somebody a bunch of money who, who's who's had some ish, injury issues. So it's it's not really surprising at all. I think it's it's the same deal, uh, a little bit less money, but it's basically the same deal he got last year. Just he just rehab the other leg essentially. Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense. When healthy, versatile, consistent, trustworthy, all the things that you would want. Um, so yeah, Tyquan Lewis, as Joel reported yesterday, back with the Colts. I want to get to free agency and kind of stick there, uh, I guess, a little bit later. But let's go to the big news from Friday, Joel, and that was Carolina trading up to the number one overall pick. Um, you know, when I saw that, I guess my initial reaction, a couple things. One, it's you continue to lose some control um, because it's a quarterback needy team now above you, another quarterback needy team. And it's a team that I, I think, you know, has a little bit of intel. I don't know if it's a giant amount of intel, but there are some, you know, important people in that Panthers organization that had important roles in the Colts organization. Uh, what did you make of what Carolina did and how that impacts Indianapolis at four? Well, everyone's always kind of said that Carolina was a team that was possibly going to come up. And the the biggest reason was their owner. You know, David Tepper has been, since the moment he bought that team, has been very outspoken about wanting to, to get better quickly. Um, obviously, they've kind of been through the same thing that the Colts have with with quarterback, with some less big-name options. And so Carolina's always been a, a threat there. Um, I, I think they probably felt like sitting at nine with four quarterbacks on the board, um, you had to worry about the Colts and you had to worry about the Raiders and who they were going to pick. And Really, you have to worry about Seattle has tried to say that they might uh, be interested in a quarterback if the right situation came about. And then there's always a wild card with Detroit and not knowing what they're going to do. So they had to jump people, and they, they knew they had to jump people, uh, including the Colts, and so they went all the way up to the big one. And I, I almost think... The, the, the thing I was thinking initially was everyone was talking about like either they gave up too much, the Colts didn't give up enough, um, and we we always talk about the process in the NFL and football. People always talk about process, but with quarterback, the process almost doesn't matter as long as the guy you end up starting is really really good. I mean, if if you look at the Colts' veteran quarterback decisions over the last couple of years, when they happened, they were all individually defensible, but the collective weight of it is, you know, what led to Frank Reich's firing every and where where the Colts are now. And it's kind of the same thing with rookies. If if the Panthers if the Panthers draft, you know, CJ Shroud and he he becomes a an all pro or a pro bowler and is a quarterback there for the next ten, fifteen years, Panthers fans are not gonna care at all what they gave up. Um and so I, I've always liked the idea of going up if you have a guy that you want to get. Now I know a lot of Colts fans are upset that the Colts didn't move up and aren't going to try to get their guy. And I'm, I've like I said, I've always been a if you if you think somebody's the guy, go get him. Uh, I guess if you don't necessarily think someone's the guy, you just got to make sure that whatever you're doing right now, you end up with a quarterback who works because uh, it's it's that would have been true if they'd gone to one. That'd be true if they stayed at four. That's true if they trade down, but. Obviously, it, it heightens a little bit of pressure. I don't know if you could heighten the pressure on the Colts to find the quarterback any more than it already was, though. 
Yeah, you would think 4-12-1, kind of rock bottom when you look at the quarterback depth chart as well. Joel A. Erickson from the Stars with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, um, I, I think that number three pick right now is gold. I think Arizona can just dangle it, and that's the first breaking point of the draft in my opinion. So if I were Chris Bauer, I'd look long and hard at just trying to get there. And, and now you can dictate a little bit more of the draft, and you can field calls and not be in the one uncertain of if another quarterback needy team is going to climb above you. Having said that, I'll give you three options, and if you could put the Ballard hat on. One option is you call Lamar Jackson and entertain that. The next option is you take Will Anderson at four, and then you come back and try to find wherever Hendon Hooker is going to fall with that second pick that you have. The third option is you wait totally until 2024, which I guess you could take Anderson potentially and then wait till 2024 at quarterback as well. If you're wearing Ballard's hat, where do you think he goes? If those are the three options, number two is the one that's, that I think – I feel like they, they know they have to get a quarterback and feel like they can, can develop them. And I guess with Hooker, you're trying to kind of replicate the – Let's look at you're trying to kind of replicate the Jalen Hurts scenario in Philadelphia. Does he get to 35, uh, which is your second round pick? I think if you, I think if you, if you say took Will Anderson at four and Hendon Hooker was your target, I think you're probably coming back into the first round, the back end of the day. I uh, mean, I don't you feel like though with Hooker, Joel, that this is one of those things of it's it's. To me, it, it goes back to, I remember when LeBron James was in his rookie year at Miami, and every team in the NBA is like, you know, don't don't say anything, but they're starting to free up money because they want to like have a big, huge cap space when LeBron James becomes a free agent. Then you find out like 12 teams are doing the, same, the exact same thing. To me, we're all whispering like the Colts can be brilliant and slide back and take Hendon Hooker. I, don't you think probably there's like six other teams thinking the same thing? Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I think that's why I think if you if if you end up if if that's the end, if that's the route you end up taking, there was a report from Aaron Wilson yesterday that the Colts are doing a, are going to bring Hooker in for a visit. That's not necessarily an indicator of. I know everyone likes to look at those as indicators. Yeah, that's, that's due diligence, right? Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna do that probably with all all of them. But I mean, they're at, at the very least somewhat interested. But I think if that's the play, if you're doing Will Anderson and. and I think you're going to end up with that second pick having to move up. You'll, you're to, you'll take somebody at four, and then I think at some point you're back in the first round. I don't know how high you have to go, but I think at some point you're back in the first round to get him, um, unless unless you get lucky and Will Levis is falling and and it, it gives you a little bit of a buffer there. I mean, is it crazy to think Hendon Hooker could go eleven to the Titans? Or eighteen to Detroit, or twenty to Seattle. I mean, when you start thinking about some other quarterback teams, Detroit and Seattle are more of a bridge period. I don't know if Hooker's viewed as that, given his age, but boy, it almost seems like very wishful thinking to assume he's going to get to the second round. And or, and we saw this with Baltimore back in the twenty eighteen draft. A lot of teams like to get back into the first round to get that fifth year rookie option on a quarterback contract. That's what Baltimore did with Lamar Jackson, ironically, in twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit hard to 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 peg Hooker and where he'll go because of it. Now I, I know I was reading I was reading Bruce Feldman yesterday, and he was he had a report that was, was talking to a quarterback coach, and that Hooker was really really good in the interview at the combine, and that that stuff's gonna gonna play well with him. And I think if you if you watched his interview or did his interview at the combine, that was pretty obvious. Um, uh, just. Very mature. I mean, like you say that, and everyone's like, "Well, duh, he's older." But like, 
you, there was a there was a some of the stuff that Shane Steichen talked about with the professionalism and the and knowing the offenses and and being able to talk through that and and your process and how you do stuff. It was just right there with him, and I could I could definitely see teams thinking, hey, we we want to get in on that, especially if we're in a developmental situation. Um, before the Saints signed, you know, Derek Carr, I would have said, watch out for New Orleans down there at the bottom, um, too. So, it, it, free agency. And the other thing is, I don't know if free agency is going to change things for a ton of teams. Um, you know, quarterback needy teams. You know, I don't know if there's a ton of options out there. Uh, in terms of like the Russell Wilson trade, where suddenly a team just doesn't need a starting quarterback anymore, even even if even if you're the Jets and you get Aaron Rodgers, you feel like, I mean, you you they've they've sort of talked about continuing to develop Zach Wilson, but you probably are gonna you're gonna need a quarterback because who knows if Rodgers is gonna retire next year or tomorrow or whenever it strikes him. Um, you know, same thing with like if you get Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think you're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo as a as a long-term guy, although maybe if you're if you're looking to draft like an Anthony Richardson and and sit him for a year or two, then Garoppolo gives you a little bit longer leash. But there's just not guys that are going to take teams off the board quarterback-wise. And so I think that with with Hooker, who seems like to me the the very clear Hurts option, where the, he's the next guy after the top four in this draft, I, I think there's a lot of wild card there in terms of what teams might want to do. And Joel A. Erickson from the Indianapolis Stars with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Starting at noon today, you'll start to see free agents agree to terms around the NFL with other teams. Officially, free agency doesn't begin until Wednesday at 4, but you'll start to see that with that legal tampering period starting at noon. Um, I, I would guess Bobby Okereke, Joel, is one that would be on a different team uh, at some point this week, potentially as early as noon today. Um, your thoughts on that, and if you think anyone else will fall into the Taekwon Lewis, let's get this done before free agency begins a category for the Colts. So I think Okereke is one who could be off pretty early, although it it is a pretty of all, you know, in a market where most of the free agent classes position-wise are pretty bad, um, there's a lot of linebackers. But I still think Okereke, given his age and production, is one of the guys who probably – could go off here in the first couple of days. Ngakwe is another guy who I could see end up signing elsewhere here in the first couple of days just because... Do you think any chance he returns? I think there's a chance if the price point stays, stays you know, so maybe around where it was last year or, or, or something like that, but like, there's just not a lot of edge rush help in free agency. Clear, proven edge rush help. And usually what happens is those guys' values get inflated. So... I keep thinking that because there's not a ton of options out there, he's going to get paid. That's why I think he might be goes off the board early. In terms of guys who I could see coming back, like in the next couple of days, um, Chase McLaughlin, I've been kind of wondering, you know, if that's somebody that they, I know that they, they've talked to him. I know they've, 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 it's, it's all been positive there. They haven't uh, had anything necessarily imminent, but if it was me, I'd want to keep him around. I mean, I, you can, I'd, I'd, Probably add competition. That's what you do at kicker. But like nine to twelve from from fifty yards. I think last year was probably after the first game the best kicking season that Colts have had. I guess since eighteen ish. Um, and so that's that's one that I could see see baby coming back. I, I don't. I haven't been able to figure out exactly what Ashton Doolin's situation is. Um, you know, it seems like a guy you can get back fairly cheap. But then there's also you know 
who knows if somebody gives him the deal that San Francisco gave George Odom last year, where they give him a three-year deal to, to bring in somebody who gives good depth and adds special teams. So uh, I think that I think that those are the, the deals that make the most sense to me are guys who are kind of not going to sign as big a deal as possibly signing back. I don't know that there's a ton of those guys. McLaughlin is the one that, that I've really been trying to monitor the most. Joel, it's probably too early to know this, but to circle back to kind of the original point, I want to get your opinion on this. If the narrative is in the NFL, regardless of team, that if you have the guy that you fall in love with, you do what you have to to go get him. Is it possible that the Colts are a franchise that in this year's draft there's nobody that they fell in love with? Uh, yeah. I mean, what Chris Ballard told us point blank there at the combine. You know, if we move up to one, I I can't remember exactly what he said, but there's there's I think he said there's no freaking doubt in our minds that this guy is a guy. Um, and so I, I think that it's it's possible that Carolina being able because. I know Carolina offered DJ Moore, and that's a, a really good thing. I I still think if the Colts wanted to, I'm sure there's there's a, a an overpay that we'd all be talking about now that they could have done to, to beat that somehow. Maybe it would have taken all. Maybe it would have taken too many first round picks. Who knows? But if you had a guy that was there was no freaking doubt, like for me, I'm just gonna pay it. You know, because uh, what I said earlier, if 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 you get the guy, no one's gonna care what you gave up later. Um, the hard part is the hard part I think with this is if you're only ever going to move up for you know the no risk prospect I don't know that they're going to have that um, you know we they they the NFL had Lawrence coming down the pike and people were saying you know they best since Andrew Luck uh, and then Luck was like the best since uh, John Elway or Peyton Man I can't remember who people were saying but like Generally, these guys aren't supposed to come around that quickly. Now, Burrow, I think, was a different thing. Burrow was uh, a prospect that turned into one of those guys out of nowhere, a clear number one guy um, with with his senior season. But I don't know if you're always going to have those. And so, you know, you. I think if if you're if you're somebody whose team needs a quarterback, there's a part of you that wants someone wants you to go. Okay, well, Kansas City. Do what Kansas City and Buffalo did, where you're like, maybe maybe there's risk with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, but that's our guy, and we're going to go get. Him. And there's Joe. Let's be honest. There's a difference between being the clear cut number one quarterback in a draft because you have clear cut number one talent, and there's a difference between being a clear cut number one quarterback in the draft because you're in a draft where teams clear cut need a quarterback. That's the difference. You know, and and to me, Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck. Peyton Manning, John Elway, those guys were going to go number one whether or not Deion Sanders, Bo Jackson, Lawrence Taylor, and Dick Buckus were in the same draft because they were elite-level, can't-miss products at quarterback. That's different than there are five or six teams that need a quarterback and there are three of them that look like they could be first-rounders so everybody's jockeying, which is where I think we are right now. That's just me, but that's where I feel like we are. Yeah, I think that's good. I mean, there, you've got some teams that are really in desperate situations quarterback-wise. Uh, you know, Carolina, I was writing about the trade the other day. Carolina and, and Indianapolis, it's, it's it's kind of stark how both teams have been through the veteran route and everything's gone bad on them, and, and it's just very obvious they need to have something more stable there 
Houston, I think we all know what happened in Houston. Um, the Raiders let their guy go, which inevitably puts pressure on you to find somebody better. I mean, uh, not that Derek Carr is great, but if you if you give up on him and push him out the door, that means that you have you're promising your fan base that uh, a better quarterback than Derek Carr is coming through the door. Um, so yeah, there, I, I think that's right. There, there's there are teams that just very very badly need a quarterback, and so that probably that probably allows them to uh, ignore some of the maybe not ignore, but you, you you don't react to the risk the same way. Flip side of it that I keep thinking about is like even just because we don't necessarily talk about some of these guys as having the upside of the perfect quarterback prospects doesn't mean that these guys don't have upside. They might not turn into one, um, which is, is something that's kind of happened over the last couple of weeks where I feel like it's like, well, CJ, there's, there's like this thread of thinking that CJ Stroud and Bryce Young are what they are and they'll never get better. And I just keep thinking like with Stroud, especially, I mean, if, if, if Stroud is a guy that, that everyone saw against Georgia, that looked like a lot of upside to me in terms of creativity and playmaking. So, um, these pros- these prospects are imperfect, but there still is the chance that with some of them that they get a lot better and that their upside is something we don't see right now. Yeah, and I think there's also an element of you you pay that price to be the one making the choice before other quarterback needy teams do the choosing for you. Um, Joel, last one from me, and Joel Erickson joins us. Thanks for the time, Joel. I know it's going to be a busy day and a busy week for you. Um are you under the assumption Matt Ryan is off this team by Friday when his bonus is due? I I am. I'm a little surprised that there hasn't been anything. That has, nothing's happened there yet. Uh, it seems like, well, it seems like the team needs the cap space a little bit. Right. Um, but also just, I just keep thinking about Matt Ryan and, you know, does, does Matt Ryan's always been a starter and does he want to be a placeholder? Now, if you're going to pick Richardson or maybe even Levis and you want to have a, a starter there who will, who will essentially have that guy you're comfortable with while that guy sits. Yeah, no. I mean, maybe Ryan's that kind of guy, but do you want to do that? 35 million? I don't know. So I've, I've been expecting Matt Ryan to be off the roster. Uh, I'm a little surprised that it hasn't happened yet. Uh, okay, last last one. Sorry, uh, Kenny Moore, Mo Ali Cox, Ryan Kelly. Are they all on this team come April first? Good question. Um, Jalen Ramsey got traded for a third yesterday in a tight end that I'm not real familiar with in Hunter Long. <laughs> um, which apologies to Hunter Long. I, I just don't know him very well. Um, but the price point for Jalen Ramsey in terms of picks and stuff was not that high, and so I wonder if. I wonder what you can get for those players, but I also think that Ballard is the kind of GM who that won't necessarily deter him from doing something. You know, they they traded Naheem Hines uh, for a fifth rounder, uh, and people wonder, you know, did they get and for Zach Moss? They wonder, you know, did they get enough for a player that they had had made a part of the the organization? Um, but Ballard Ballard likes those picks and likes to get something for first. For, so I don't know that the price point's going to matter. Um, he also he also when we when he was asked about are there any vets on this team that might not be around because they get released or traded he kind of said we'll work through that he didn't say no right uh, which made me think that one that that some of those guys might be Moelle Cox was a surprising name to see in a report yesterday just because Ballard said he really likes our tight end group and to me if you get rid of Moelle Cox you don't 
at least based on what we've seen so far, you don't have a blocker left. And it's not a huge uh, savings, to be fair. As right, like, that like, one was a little that one was a little surprising to me, just because of what it would do to your roster and your running game. Um, you know, he's not Jack Doyle, but he's sort of the the big the big guy on the end of the line who, who's done a lot for the running game. You'd have a hole. That would create a, a significant hole. Um, whereas, like with Pinter, Kenny Moore would create some some depth issues at cornerback. But you know, this is a team that likes longer ones, so I could see you wanting to do that. And then obviously Pinter's there for Ryan Kelly. Getting rid of Mo Ali Cox, I don't know if you like your tight end group as much, just because you don't you don't have a, a blocker anymore. Joel, I, I see your Missouri Tigers are a seven seed. They've got Utah State to open. Southern underdog, Joel. Yeah, if yeah they, they, well, the only single-digit underdog, I think. Utah State is 33 spots higher than Missouri and Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. So, not, real tough, real tough opening round here. And, and, and then, it's, well, it's, it's a moot point because they're screwed when they go against Arizona in the second round, right? It's it's a fill it up. Well, you want to win the game. I mean, it's been a real fun. Missouri fans were not expecting to get much out of Dennis Gates' first season. And I think um, I think them, you know, the, the game where they beat Tennessee on the 40-footer from uh, Golston at the end, they've had a couple of games like that. Like, this has been a, a pretty fun ride, I think, for most Missouri fans, although Missouri fans are, are generally negative in nature. Um, this has been a pretty fun ride. And I, I, I personally would like to get a win out of the Utah State game. It's, it's two teams that can both score. And so I always feel like when you get Games like that, that like the thing I'm worried about is if there's any four minute stretch where your shots aren't going down, you're just out of the tournament. Are, you know? there, are there any positive fan bases in nature? He said that's negative. A good question. Yeah. You know what? That's a good question. I think, I think, uh, I think there's some that are more negative than others. Like I think, Bear, I think Bears fans are the best uh example of this oh that's mark like Listen, you joel that was very kind of you ohio state could be playing the 85 bears and their fan base is like oh buckeyes yeah buckeyes gonna roll i mean yeah they can't stop them i mean there's no way yeah, that, so th- there's one yeah that's a good one. yeah ohio state like alabama is another one where they're like they're like we're gonna destroy everybody and if if we don't win every game by 35 points nick saban should get fired <laughs> well um, the problem so is they do both those things there's a couple of blue blood ones like that that are probably like that. I, um, I, I, I think Missouri fans though, like, and people here don't know this, but like, there's like a fifth down that Missouri lost. There's like a lot of famous terrible ways that Missouri. Of course, loses. the fifth down game's legendary. Kicked yeah. the ball in the air, right? So, the Anderson kid. Yeah. And so, like, like this, that's the thing. Like, you know, I'm I'm married to an I'm married to an Auburn grad, and they they set up a 26 yard field goal this year for what is like. I'm thinking the only chance I have for my alma mater to beat my wife's alma mater in football. And they bring in an all-SEC kicker, and he yanks it to the left. And I'm like, well, that's just what's supposed to happen. College kickers. College <laughs> kickers. Joel, it is a busy week. Thank you for the insight. Thank you for the insight on your Missouri Tigers. Good luck uh, Thursday at, I guess it's a 1.40 p.m. start here. Yeah, it's early. Yeah, it's yeah. right off the bat, which means, which means I don't have a lot of time for the nerves to get bad. Thanks, Joel. Yep. See Jake, I think of all the first-round matchups, Missouri is an underdog in that Amazing. 7-10, and then Maryland, that is the other better-seeded team that's currently an underdog. Maryland's got West Virginia 8-9. Joel brought up Auburn. To me, Auburn got one of the best draws of the entire tournament. 
Jake, they get to play in Birmingham in an 8-9 game. What, what's I that, think, like a 90-minute drive? Two-hour drive? Two hours, yeah. And they get Houston around. I mean, that's going to be a lot of blue and orange in the building for Iowa and then Houston. I, I think that... So if Indiana plays Auburn, though, they would be that would be in the Sweet 16, right? Oh, wow. You got Auburn going that far? Well, I mean, if you, the two games you just mentioned in Birmingham... Yeah injured Houston and I I mean I don't but I'm just saying this I'm telling you and I know that this is cliche to say but of the I love I mean I love the NCAA tournament I love when I was a kid I used to have to do uh, sleep induced EEGs or EKG I think it was EKG but I used to have to do a I, I had seizures when I was a kid so they would do medical tests where I would have to stay up the entire night before I would then go in in the morning so they could test my rem sleep and my mom would always schedule it for like this friday because i would she would tape games but i would watch ncaa tournament games all night i loved everything about the ncaa tournament i absolutely love the first two days of the tournament i'm not alone in that i realize but gosh i hate that and love that about you this is (laughs) this is without a doubt of there have been others i'm sure but this is as unpredictable a, a, a field as i can recall there is not a – there were years past – usually, Kevin, there's a team or two where you're like, look, you're trying to talk yourself out of putting them in the Final Four because you just don't want them there. But there's no doubt that Gonzaga is better than everybody. There's no doubt that Kansas is better than everybody. There's no doubt that Kentucky's better than everybody. This year's bracket, you look at it and you're like, ah, any of them. Alabama. I could see Alabama could lose to West Virginia in the second round, or they could win the whole thing. I, I, who knows? Before we lead off the morning checkdown with Purdue and Indiana and their Friday night openers, last thing Colts related I want to say about Joel A. Erickson in that segment. I think a lot of people are like, you know, whatever. Uh, choke for Caleb. Collapse for, 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 for Caleb. You know, insert all this tank for Caleb Williams. Teams don't tank well in the NFL. I mean, the Colts just had horrific quarterback play. They fired their coach midseason, and they had the fourth overall pick. So I I just don't think it's this foregone conclusion of, like, you say right here on March 13th, oh, yeah, we're just going to tank and get Caleb Williams next year. I think it's much easier said than done. Morning checkdown time. All right, we let off with Purdue in the morning check down last hour. Let's lead off with the Hoosiers. They are in the 955. That's an approximate slot coming up on Friday evening. So pace yourself on St. Patrick's Day, Hoosiers, fan, Hoosiers fans. Uh, they get Kent State, and Jake, a lot of familiarity in that matchup. Rob Senderoff, the Kelvin Sampson assistant coach, who was probably the catalyst in a lot of those phone calls. He has been at Kent State for the last decade plus, and that's a Kent State team that has been pretty competitive this season against some NCAA tournament teams. And Kent State, of course, a team that uh, Mike Davis's first year in the tournament, that's who knocked Indiana out. Then Mike Davis goes to the Final Four by knocking out Kent State. So there's familiarity. It's a rubber match, if you will, between the two. And again, as you had talked about, uh, for Indiana Kent State, nightcap on Friday night, that is going to happen a couple hours after Purdue tips off at approximately 6.50 p.m. Purdue will be on TNT. That is on Friday night. Indiana, on the other hand, is going to be playing on TBS. So those are the games. 
And uh, this is the time of year I remind all of you to try to find out whether or not you have True TV. Well, yeah, that's where Live Golf is. So, yeah, to, you know, turn over to True. I was kidding about that. But, yeah, True TV always takes me a good three minutes to find it. Uh, Purdue at 650. I'm guessing I would have to look at the Columbus region. I think that should start on time. I think that's yeah, the first game yeah, of, the right. of the evening. Of the session, right. Session. So, Purdue fans, good news on that front. Indiana fans, again, that could be a lot deeper into 10 o'clock. Um, again, Kent State on the year is 28 and 6. Very competitive in the non conference, losing close games at Houston and at Gonzaga. For Purdue, they will await the winner of Texas Southern and Fairleigh Dicker- Dickinson. I noticed you say Texas Southern, but it's Southern. Can you say, say it again? <laughs> What's the school what that. What are you looking at me for? The, 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 the Southern? Does it sound like you. I think you. I think you say Southern. Not that it's wrong. It's just a, a, a linguistic uh, hitch I noticed. I, I noticed very little difference. <laughs> well, I noticed when he says height, he says height, and it who, always throws me off. Who, me? Kevin. Gosh, you guys are so critical of my... <laughs> Why'd you get your life together, here. Am I attacking you two? I think it's just sign of the fact that we hear each other speak for three hours a day, right? He's doing that southern thing again. Mark, it's nails on a chalkboard. I'm going to go dive in a cave to get away from it. <laughs> no Rutgers, no Wisconsin, no Michigan from a Big Ten standpoint. Those three bubble teams entering the Big Ten tournament. Rutgers surprised me. I thought they were them. in. And, and we really didn't have any bid stealers. I know for a moment yesterday it looked like Dayton might get in, but VCU ended up winning the A-10 tournament. And again, I know we talked about it in the first check down, but shout out to Purdue for the Big Ten Tournament Championship. That's their second as a program. They hold on to beat Penn State 67-65. Zach Eady is your Big Ten Tournament MVP. And if you're looking for you know other Things from this weekend for Purdue outside of just the Big Ten title that you have to like. What David Jenkins gave Purdue off the bench. 8 of 12 from behind the arc for the transfer. That will be very key, particularly with Fletcher Lawyer struggling of late. Uh, I thought Brandon Newman, by the way, played well in, at, at points. Um, well, he tried to throw the game there late. <laughs> How about that? Hey, let me tell you something. Your alma mater, Cathedral has produced one of the bright young coaches in college basketball. Michael Shrewsbury can coach. And I don't know. Now, did you say Michael or Micah? I I said Micah. I want to make sure we're all clear on that. Uh, Notre Dame needs him. It needs him bad. And and somebody told me last week that he apparently loves Happy Valley. He's very happy in Happy Valley. But I would imagine a Georgetown or a Notre Dame could probably pay a little bit more, but still. He can coach, man. On the women's bracket front, IU will be hosting inside of Assembly Hall for the first two rounds. They're in the Greenville region, so that will be the Sweet 16 in the, in the Elite Eight there. They will take on a, a play-in winner to open up the tournament coming up this weekend. Notre Dame is going to host on the women's front. They get Southern Utah in a 3-14 matchup. And Purdue, this is kind of interesting little twist here for Boiler Nation if they want to head over to Columbus Later this week, Purdue will play in the play-in game against St. John's. If they win that, they'll take on North Carolina. That would be on Thursday. And again, that is in Columbus, which would lead right into then Purdue playing in Columbus on Friday for the opening round. That's pretty cool. Do a little two-step, right? Sure. Now, that's Greenville, South Carolina, right, for Indiana? If they get, yeah, Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Indiana will host the women's tournament. They often have the best-seeded teams host in their own buildings if, for the first time. If Indiana fans have to go to Greenville, South Carolina, I'm telling you right now, there's a Weston right on Main Street downtown, then there's a general store down the street, which is super cool, and the Carolina Ale House right across the street. 
Uh, Pacers back in action tonight. Pistons again at Detroit. They won Saturday over Detroit. Uh, it's a bunch of guys you haven't heard of play for either team. <laughs> James Johnson got a game ball. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton out again. Miles Turner out again. Benedict Matherin out. Jose Slaughter starting at point guard for Detroit. <laughs> Jaden Ivey is out. Boyan Bogdanovich is out. Kate Cunningham is out. Um, but yeah, the Pacers, I think they've won five of seven. They're knocking on that play indoor. Keeper Sykes on the short phone for Detroit. <laughs> Trevlin Queen, I believe, is now in Detroit for the Pacers here coming up tonight. All right, we'll get back into the bracket talk coming up next. It is a whole lot of dancing this week. The men's and women's NCAA tournaments getting underway for the Purdue and IU faithful from a men's tournament standpoint. My advice is start your Friday, not how I started my Friday this past week. Now, now what do you mean by that? Well, uh, I think you got to pace yourself if you're an IU or Purdue fan coming up for St. Patrick's Oh, he day, right? means chasing, you know, it's 7 oh, and yeah, yeah, PBRs yeah. open. Yeah, I, I would not say kegs and eggs is the way to go on Friday. If you are an IU or Purdue fan, well, it is St. Patrick's Day. I, I know, and trust me, I I think that that calls for a lot of activity on St. Patrick's Day. But six fifty tip for the Boilers, and again, Indiana at the earliest will be nine fifty five in Albany. I can't believe Albany has a seventeen thousand seat arena. Yeah, like what do they do there the rest of the year? Is that like Arena League and <laughs> the Siena Saints play there. Uh, but that's where Indiana will play again. Purdue will play at Ohio State's arena. That will be Columbus. For the first two rounds, uh, Jake, I guess just overall, uh, when you saw Purdue on the one line, Columbus, and then New York, Indiana on the four line, Albany to Kansas City, uh, your overall thoughts on those two? I thought Indiana got a good draw because, you know, ironically enough, probably the biggest benefit for Indiana, Indiana's resume in totality probably was that of a five seed. And the five seed, you start getting into dangerous territory because you see a lot of two, you know, that that's the, for whatever reason, the 5-12 are always the matchups where the 12 teams usually are either mid-majors that are senior-laden teams that are really good or big conference teams that just had decent years but were inconsistent but have some decent wins on their resume. I'm talking about if you're a 12. So you kind of want to avoid that 5-12 line. So Indiana gets the four. I think they were probably they, – they slid back to being the last four seed. But the thing that probably kept them on that four line, quite frankly, was Purdue winning the Big Ten championship because they swept Purdue. And so that really that, – that's a huge feather in the cap for Indiana. And Indiana has good – the Xavier win was a good win also. But getting that Purdue win late, I think, really stamped Indiana on that four line. And, you know, you look at teams like like San Diego State is a five seed. Well, they got to pl- play Charleston, who a lot of people think was one of the better small schools all year long. Duke well, is a five seed. They've got to travel to Orlando. They, you know, if I'm San Diego State, I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Playing at Orlando, in Orlando on a Thursday? Duke's playing Oral Roberts. Now, Oral Roberts is interesting because they were in the Sweet 16 two years ago. That team is most of their – they're a very senior-laden team. They've won 30 games, but they're 0-4 against quad one opponents. Every time they played, like, legitimate tournament-level teams, they got blown out of the gym. So, But, but again, that's what you get when you are a five. I think Indiana's draw is good when you consider that Houston is a little banged up. Texas is, is playing, obviously, very well. They beat Kansas in the Big 12 – but in the tournament, but are they going to be able to do it all the way through? I think Indiana could end up re-seeing Xavier in an Elite Eight matchup. I mean, I think Indiana's got a good draw. 
Yeah, I think the best parts of the Indiana draw come from the injury to Marcus Sasser for Houston and then the also the injury to Miami's big guy. Um, you know, I've already screwed up pronouncing words earlier in the show. So pronouncing. I, I, I will um, forego from that. <laughs> it's pronunciation, but the way you pronounce. Uh, again, but Miami's big guy is a little banged up. Um, I, I don't. I don't love the Kent State though. I, I don't. I think Kelvin Sampson is a hell of a coach, and if you've got a Kelvin Sampson disciple as the head coach at Kent State, I mean, we can make fun of and and you know make jokes about Rob Rob Senderhoff and he's everything gonna, that's gone. He's not going to phone it in. Is that what you're saying? He is clearly a hell of a coach, uh, and I mean, Kent State had some wild off the court stuff last year, right before their MAC championship game, or else they they could have been there. They've been a perennial twenty win team under him. I mean, if you look at their non conference. They have lost true road games by five at Houston and seven at Gonzaga and two at Charleston. I mean, those, I mean that's three true road games against. I mean, in Houston and Gonzaga's case, you know, two of the top ten or fifteen teams in the nation, and they played both of those teams to single digit in the conference tournament. They scored seventy six, seventy nine, and ninety three. So. I think when we think Kelvin Sampson type teams, we think of just you know intensity for forty minutes, low scoring games. Kent State can score a bit here. Um, they're more of a kind of a guard oriented teams. Sincere carries their leading score, seventeen points per game. Um, they don't have a lot of height, which obviously will be something to keep an eye on with Trace Jackson Davis. But that to me is. Um, I think there's some other thirteen seeds you would rather have seen than Kent State. The for Indiana. I think for Indiana and Purdue, the two tickets are going to be this. For Indiana, you know what you're getting out of Trace Jackson Davis, undoubtedly. They've got to get consistent outside shooting. Trey Galloway is a really important guy for Indiana in this tournament, quite frankly. He was pretty bad in the Big Ten tournament. And he was. And and you notice, you know, I mean, they... Are IU fans excited by what Tamar Bates did against Penn State, or now do they think, oh no, he's going to shoot it every time down the, the floor? The, the latter. I think most Indiana fans feel the latter. He's like a brontosaurus on roller skates. Like just, I pay to see that actually. Yeah, boy, <laughs> What's that? I, I don't I'd know my dinosaur perimeter shooting, but I would think a brontosaurus a little bit better around the rim. But would he? Well, true, but like he just is. Again, I, I've Tamar Bates is one guy that they need to. They need to just slow him down a little bit. Yeah, um, I don't think there's anything. One game does not a season make, let's put it that way, to answer your question. But uh, but they've got to get some outside shooting with some consistency. And Jalen Hood, Shafino, his mid-range game is good. When it's when it's really good, they're, t- they're really hard to beat. And Indiana could make a run. But if, if it's not going, they could have some problems. Indiana is the 15th overall seed in the tournament. So they were the third number four seed. Purdue is the fourth overall seed. So Purdue is the final one seed, which I think we we pretty much knew. Now, I always think this is weird, though, okay? So you've got that in front of you, right? Uh, the seed list, yeah. Okay. Who were the, So give me – the number one overall was Alabama, right? Correct, uh-huh. Who's the number two overall seed? Houston. Okay, let me ask you this. Who is the 68 – give me the, the bottom five seeds in the tournament. Here's uh, why I ask. It, it, you would think that Alabama – you would think that the top two seeds would, would both earn – would both be playing a play-in 16-game winner. Yeah, I think some of that has to do with like a little bit of scheduling. Um, I, I guess – Because Purdue has – 
Texas Southern and Fairleigh Dickinson, they, they get a play-in winner that has to play a game just to become a 16 seed. Okay. You would think that that's a better matchup than, say, Houston taking on Northern Kentucky. Yeah, I'm just guessing here, is Houston in the early – are they the Thursday date? Don't you want to space out your play-in game so one team plays Tuesday, the other plays Wednesday? You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Playing, um the playing schedule on the Tuesday, Wednesday is you have the two 16 seeds playing the early game in Dayton, then the two 11 seeds play at night. I, later at night, and you do that on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday you come back and you have the okay. same exact schedule. Maybe you space it out a little bit there. Houston plays. Um, do they play on Thursday? If they play, they on, play on Thursday. They play that, on Thursday on plays into it. Yeah. I, but I've always found that odd. Um. One thing to note, looking ahead a little bit, and I know that we are looking ahead, but I know IU and Purdue fans will be curious what times they could play on Sunday. If you're trying to plan out your Sunday, uh, the tip times are to be announced, of course, but they do have slotted in for the TV schedule. So you're looking at a noon game, a 2.30 game on Sunday. The other six time slots, though, for the Sunday second-round matchups, all 5 o'clock or later. So if you're trying to plan out your Sunday, you're not going to find out if Indiana or Purdue, what time they'll play late into Friday night, pretty much early Saturday morning. But if you're looking ahead a little bit, six of the eight time slots would be 5 o'clock or later. Now the the MVP Knickerbocker Arena, also known as the Pepsi Arena and Times Union Center in Albany, that, that's where they're playing, right? So what? I mean, it's got to be what? Okay. Arena League or Sienna College League? men's basketball team has been a major tenant of the arena. Previous tenants include the Albany Firebirds, which, by the way, became the Indiana Firebirds, or or the other way around. Oh, did we right? get the Mayflower? I there? think yeah, I think I think the Firebirds went to Albany. Uh, Andre Agassi played John McEnroe there in 1994. Well, this arena's been around a while, right? Monster Jam and Hot Wheels truck. Now, should we look and see what the most recent concert to play there was? Who I do, do think, and Jake, we've had this conversation before. I like this about the NCAA tournament. Like, I, I like that they go to a city like Albany. Totally. I love that they go to a city like, I, I know Des Moines is nowhere, you know. Des Moines? Is much more of a bigger city than that. You know, Greensboro certainly hosts the ACC tournament, so they have that. But, you know, you, you don't get just... New York, Vegas, Kansas City, and Louisville, those are the four regional sites. I like in the early rounds, you typically go to these cities. Now, the Albany Firewolves, which is lacrosse, play there. Oh, fastest growing uh, sport. Upcoming, April 14th, I got a concert. Old Dominion. Oh, that's pretty big. The No Bad Vibes Tour. Now, wouldn't it be something if Old Dominion was in the tournament and played there, too? Um, oh, they beat Notre Dame one year. They also have, and this one is very dangerous to say on the radio, uh, they have a concert upcoming called For King and Country. And with that, Bob Kravitz is going to join us here in about five <laughs> I just minutes. tell you, it's the name of it. You are listening to Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. The East region where the Boilermakers of Purdue are the fourth overall number one seed for the fourth time in school history. First time since 96, the Boilermakers are one seed. In the Midwest region, the Indiana Hoosiers are third team out of the Big Ten. Trace Jackson Davis, all Big Ten first team for the Hoosiers who finished 22 and 11. It is 9 o'clock on a Monday. The regular crowd shuffles in. As the NCAA tournament selection has been announced, Indiana, we now know, as you heard Greg Gubble saying right there, the four seed. They will take on Kent State. Purdue is the number one seed. 
a number one seed, I should say. And that means that they will await the winner to find out who they play between Texas Southern and Fairleigh Dickinson University. We have Bob, right, Mark? Yes, we do. Joining us now on the Payless Sickers Hotline to discuss that and more Bob Kravitz of The Athletic. Bob, before we get into some Colts discussion, let's begin with that. Purdue and Indiana, the only two locals, but what did you think of the draw for either? I, I thought it was perfectly legitimate. I mean, I thought that once uh, UCLA got beat by Arizona in the Pac, uh, in the Pac-12, that it was kind of a no-brainer. Whether they won or lost yesterday, it was almost immaterial. I thought that they were going to be slotted into the one. I think Indiana is basically where it belongs at at four. I think they've. I think both teams, if they play the way we think they can play, have a chance to go uh, deep. Uh, certainly into the second weekend. Um, I still believe Indiana has the higher ceiling. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a little scared by some of the things I see with Purdue. Uh, Fletcher Lawyer can't hit the side of a barn these days. Uh, Braden Smith is not shooting particularly well. Um, and and they, can't, they can't handle the press. And I know it's a lot of negativity for a team that's uh, number one seed, but they scare the hell out of me. Bob Kravitz was at the Big Ten tournament up in Chicago here, and I guess you kind of answered that, that that question, anyways. Um, you know, what David Jenkins did off the bench. Anything you saw out of Purdue um, calm any of your nerves on that front, or you still think you know the the, the guard issues with Press and Fletcher Lawyer? Um, that's your reason why you don't feel like their stay is going to be too too long. Yeah, I mean that's the thing that that scares me. I mean, look, Zach Eady is is a one of a kind. He's a unicorn. Um, and, and he's a great player um, who I, you know, they go as far as he goes. But I, I just, you know, uh, Micah Shrewsbury was saying that the other day in one of the press conferences that in the big, in, in, in the postseason, guards win. And what, in, what uh, Purdue is trying to do is very unique. You know, you just don't see a lot of teams, if any, uh, try to win a national title with a center dominant team. And, I mean, you got to go way back to the days of the dinosaurs to find teams that had those big, dominant centers who led them to a national title. So, you know, it would be interesting if they're able to pull it off trying to do something that hasn't been done in a very long time. See, more pressure on Purdue, more pressure on Indiana to make a run in this tournament. I think Purdue has brought the pressure on themselves by being so great all year. Um, I, you know, look, Purdue was expected to be what sixth, I think, uh, in the big 10. So in a way, you know, if you look at a big picture, they're playing with house money. They've already accomplished so much this year, but because they've been so great this year, uh, I think it's changed the, the expectation level. So they, they probably have a little more pressure on, on them, especially given, their history and the whole Matt Painter can't win the big one narrative, which is obviously absurd, but it is what it is. Bob, to me, I was telling Kevin this earlier, and Mark, I want your your thought on this. I don't recall, you know, typically in the NCAA tournament, there is a very clear, you know, there's a team that you almost find yourself where you're talking yourself out of putting them in the title game because it is just so cachet to put them in the title game because they are so clear-cut as a favorite. Right. I, this this year... <laughs> Wide open. 
I mean, it, it, this has to be as wide open as to me as I've ever seen. Like literally, every single team is twenty three and ten. You know what I mean? Like it's like, and I know that this is transfer portal. You you know, era basketball and whatever else. But do you agree that this is as wide open as a as a bracket field that we've seen in many many years? Oh, absolutely. And I and I really I don't see it going chalk. Uh, as much as it normally does. You get to that second weekend and usually water finds its level and, you know, the St. Peter's of the world get knocked out, um, you know, in, in the, in the uh, Elite Eight. But, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be wide open this year. I don't see any monoliths out there. I mean, I think Kansas can be really, really good, although they got crushed, in the uh, I think, in the Big 12 tournament. There's no team that I look at and say, oh yeah, they're they're the clear cut favorite. I mean, I, I I still don't believe in Houston. Um, you know, Purdue's got its issues, has its issues down the stretch, losing four of six during that one one period. So yeah, I I would agree. This is a year where we could really have a lot of upsets and and a team that we don't expect cutting down the nets in Houston. He's Bob Kravitz from The Athletic. He was up in Chicago for the Big Ten Tournament. Tons of coverage over there from Bob with Purdue winning it all yesterday. Shifting gears to the Colts. I know this happened probably, what, um, I guess in between Purdue and Indiana's games on Friday (laughs) up at the United Center. But what were your thoughts once you finally got to settle in and see the trade that Frank Reich and the Panthers uh, gave up to Chicago for number one and the implications of that for the Colts at number four? Uh, my thought was some teams got cojones and some don't. That was my first thought, is that I thought that uh, Carolina showed uh, a lot of fortitude making that move. I'm happy for Frank Reich. And in typical Chris Ballard fashion, uh, he's going to end up with likely his third choice in the in the NFL draft. I mean, you get how many opportunities do you get to pick in the top four? You know, and... For them to not get this done is, uh, I, I think, a real uh, a real issue for Chris. Uh, I think he needed to move up. Uh, at this point, it makes no no sense. I mean, Houston's going to get the set the second quarterback. I mean, it doesn't make sense to move up to three. I don't I don't believe unless unless you have an argument to, to make otherwise. But I do. Yeah, it, 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 it they had a big opportunity and they blew it. And I, I got to think, and I don't know this for a fact, but I got to think the fact that uh, Carolina was able to offer DJ Moore uh, may have been the deal breaker there uh, for the Colts. Because who, the, who, who are the Colts going to send along? But is it possible, Bob, and Kevin, you can expand on this since you said you do have exception to that. I, to me, you move up to three from four if you feel there's a wide gap between Anthony – what you perceive to be the third and fourth quarterbacks taken, Richardson and Levis, that well, that would did, be. Well, who uh, at three now? You, you, uh, I'm I'm just waking up. So it's Arizona three. Correct. Yes. Yep. All right. They don't need a quarterback. I mean, well, maybe they need a quarterback, but they're not going to go quarterback, are they? No, I, I I think the appeal of trading up to three is you know, and Jake was saying this. You would assume C.J. Stroud goes one, Bryce Young goes two. Then you would have the choice of either Levis or Richardson. And I think more than making that choice, you're now in control of the first breaking point of the draft. 
So if you make that trade today, which again, I would do it as soon as possible, now you control who calls you. Like teams are now going to be calling you if they fall in love with one of these quarterbacks over the next couple of months because you've got a quarterback needy team behind you at five but in Kevin, Seattle, Detroit at six, uh, Las Vegas at seven. So if you get to three, either you make the quarterback choice, not have either Levis or Richardson fall under your lap, or you can sit there at three, field calls for the next month, and if you want to trade back, then you can still do that But as assuming, well. and hang on, Bob, assuming, Kevin, that Arizona doesn't take a quarterback, then the Colts still have that at four. What if a team right. trades up that, above you? That would be the only thing That's you've got to worry about. Seattle, Detroit, oh, the- and Vegas, five, six, and seven. Seattle, Detroit, five, and six. They've got more ammo to trade up above you. Right, right. That 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 is something I hadn't thought of. You know, you really ought to have a radio show. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I can half-ass it here for uh, for three hours. Um, I, I know Bob Kravitz, again, from The Athletic, is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I know the free, ag- free agent names aren't the most household for the Colts this season, but we will start to see uh, free agency news all this week. Bob, Paris Campbell, Bobby Okereke, Yanni Kangakwe, you pounded a table for any of them to come back? No. Maybe Okereke. I thought he had a nice season. Um, I love Paris Campbell as a human being. I think he's a great dude. Really happy he had a fully healthy season. But, look, he's, he's what, 50th, 60th in the league in yards? I mean, yeah, he stayed healthy, but what, what are we going to give him, a fabulous parting gift? I mean, you know, he, he, he didn't produce big numbers. Of course, he didn't have a quarterback, so nobody produced big numbers. But, no, I'm, I think Okereke is the one guy I would think about. I realize that Ngakwe put up really nice numbers, and for some reason I don't remember any of the sacks. Does that sound crazy? Like I, I don't rem- I don't remember him making a game changing play, even though he had a lot of sacks. So, no, I'm not pounding the table for any of those guys. Maybe maybe Bobby. Bobby, you think there's any chance the Colts don't take a quarterback? No. And they slide no. back. I, yeah, I I, I mean. Chris Ballard might as well, you know, sell his house and move on out of town if they don't take quarterback. They they got to take quarterback. I mean, I think he did just uh, sell his house, unless, right? Unless, unless, unless Lamar Jackson. Hello. Would you do that, Bob? It depends on what the what what's involved, but I'll tell you what: I'd rather take a proven commodity who's twenty six years old uh, and is one of the best quarterbacks in the league over an unproven commodity uh, who I realize is quite a bit cheaper, but I would certainly make uh, – I, I kick the tires, no doubt about it. Uh, injuries, missing nine games of 33 the last two years and all that guaranteed you send them, that that would not worry you? Not my money. Good point. That's the way I look at it. I mean, you know, this team has been playing it safe for so freaking long. And I, I want to see them do something a little bit off the wall. And, you know, I, look, I mean, everybody knows that Deshaun Watson got an absurd contract and the Cleveland Browns screwed it up for everybody. But this is the world we live in. If you want to win right away, go get Lamar freaking Jackson and do whatever it takes. All chips in. Remember that? So that's a big chip to put in. And, that's something I think they need to think real long and hard about. Bob, do you think it's possible? Bob Kravitz is our guest. He's with The Athletic. He's on the Payless Sickers hotline. Do you think it's possible 
that the Colts are a little bit cursed by the following. If you if you really look at it, this is a franchise that for a long time couldn't get out of its own way, and then the football gods just continued to bounce balls in the direction of the Colts. They got Peyton Manning. We know that history. Andrew Luck falls into their lap. We know how that worked out. Then they find themselves needing, and I mean that in a good way, they, they find themselves then needing a quarterback and – Lo and behold, at the eleventh hour, you know they're able to trade for Carson Wentz. It doesn't work out. Then they need another quarterback, and at the eleventh hour, Matt Ryan, who was a former league MVP, falls into their lap essentially with a late trade. Yes, that didn't work out as well as they thought. But do you think the Colts are cursed now of just kind of waiting to figure to themselves? You know, these things just work themselves out <laughs> as opposed to being proactive. I think this is a Chris Baller production all the way. I mean, I think. I think Jim Irsay would be perfectly happy uh, making. You know, you know him. He likes the big, the big splash. But I, I think right now uh, this this is a a Chris Ballard production. I think he's got you know the power to do what he, what he feels is necessary at this point, which is probably the best thing. At the same time, he's just not built that way. He he is very very conservative. I, I saw. A quote of I think uh, either James Boyd or Zach quoted uh, somebody saying Ballard treats the Colts' money like it's his own, and 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 you can't do that. I mean they've got to take a mighty sw- Dave Kingman esque swing at somebody and sitting there at four and you know uh, that that's just that's just not going to do it. It's not going to do it. And uh, and I mean. You're in the AFC with all these great quarterbacks. You want to be a player? Go get Lamar freaking Jackson. Hey, Bob, I'm the, I'm yeah. the same age bracket as you, so for our younger audience, we'll replace Dave Kingman with Kyle Schwarber. Is that cool? Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, I want to read you a text, Bob. I know you, you love these. You need some help right now in the World Baseball Classic. I want to read you, Bob Kravitz, a text that was just sent to me and I'm gonna, because I want to give you the opportunity to respond to it. You ready? Uh, I, I'm not guilty. Uh, why does Kravitz never say that IU scares him? They keep losing and Purdue keeps winning. At some point, that matters. It's not a good matchup for Purdue to play Indiana, that's for sure. But the IU pandering is just tiring. Just call it like it is. Always going out of the way to say Purdue is struggling even though they win and IU is great even though they've hilariously underachieved. I'm not calling out you or Kevin, but Bob, I would think, would be better than that. Uh, he's a homer by now. I know you can't answer for him, but please ask why he continues to do this. Otherwise, you are going to turn Purdue fans away from your show. I don't agree with that, but your reaction. Oh, yeah. You keep having me on. Purdue Purdue people will go away, I'm quite sure. (laughs) Uh, uh, Well, I just think I've I've made this case for weeks now. Uh, I think that Purdue uh, has got some holes that are they can't fill and i just think the ceiling it sounds crazy i know i think the ceiling is higher for indiana right now than it is for purdue it has nothing to do with purdue hatred or any hatred i mean people think i went to iu guys i grew up in new york i didn't know anything about indiana purdue i cared less so no i just think I think Indiana's got two NBA guys. You know, I think Huchifino is going to be a special player. The, the question is whether he can play up to that 
that level in the postseason. Um, and I see a lot of things with Purdue that scare the hell out of me. If that guy doesn't like it, well, what can you do? That was a very mature end of that. Welcome I was to IU Bob Purdue. Would, I was hoping Bob was going to say, "Meet me at the hockey rink," you know, on Friday night here, and we can we can discuss oh, it. Exactly. That jersey's coming over your head, and I'm, <laughs> you'll be spitting chicklets in no time. Right. Uh, all right. Last one, Bob. Um, the Pacers. I know it's probably not top of mind at all. They've won <laughs> five of seven. They with fourteen games to go. They are a half game out of the ten seed, which is the play in. They're oh, a game no. out of the nine, which is also part of the play-in, of course. What positives do you see for the Pacers in the play-in game this year? Absolutely none. I don't see any. They need to lose. Somebody needs to get a hamstring pull. For God's sake, don't let this happen. I mean, you know, there's a lot to love about the Indiana Pacers this year. This is the least painful rebuilding season I've ever seen. I mean, it's actually been quite a bit of fun uh, to watch them play this year if you have the ability to actually watch them play on TV, which is difficult in our in our area. But, no, they, they – uh, if, I'm, if I'm Halliburton, my, my groin is tightening up, or maybe my hamstring, maybe a cap. I mean, I know they want to do as well as they possibly can, and I give them endless credit for not tanking. But they need to be. They don't. They don't. They don't need to be in the in the postseason. They just don't. I think there's a lot of validity to that. Um, classic Purdue hater Bob Kravitz with us That's here me. on the Payless down, baby. Liquors Hotline. Yeah, I saw the sign you had on Media Row at the United Center of the Boiler Down sign. Uh, Bob, as always, thank you for the conversation on these Mondays. Are you going Columbus anywhere? Should we be? I'm headed, to, I'm headed to Columbus, and then I'm praying we head to New York City. Go, go back home. There you go. Bob Kravitz following Purdue for as long as they play here. Well, in I'm the- a Purdue hater. Of course I'm coming <laughs> Purdue. Thank you, Bob. That's Bob Kravitz right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jake, I did want to um, Thanks, mention the Lamar Jackson conversation. Bob clearly wants to see a Dave Kingman type. I don't think my generation knows Dave Kingman, by the way. D- does or doesn't? Does. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but Kyle Schwarber was a very nice modern-day reference to it. Uh, Lamar Jackson's missed nearly a third of the games the last two seasons. Um, you also have to give up two first-round picks for him, along with the 200-and-some million guaranteed that he seems to be seeking. If I'm paying that into his 30s, and for more of a modern reference, the Madden video game players out there, if you take Lamar Jackson's running, and instead of a 99 rating, it comes down to like a 90 rating. Right, and that's the concern, he's right? He's no longer the same MVP guaranteed money. And it's the easiest player to compare Lamar Jackson to and I know there was off-the-field stuff, but Jake, look at the career of Michael Vick. Michael Vick at 22, Michael Vick at 24, he was an MVP-type player. Look at Michael Vick deep into his 20s. I do think Jackson's a better pocket passer than Vick. Okay, but yes, but they, I are, get it. they have some similarities, I, I it. certainly. It starts I, with their legs, I get it. I just don't love the draft picks and the guaranteed money for a guy that has just had two... Late in the season, which I think is worth mentioning as well, late in the season injuries, wear and tear, hasn't finished each of the last two years. Again, missed nearly a third of the games, and then you're paying that into his 30s. By the way, just did a uh, tankathon since Bob was talking about the Pacers needing to get in. Jake, it's getting close. Let me tell you something. I just did one. I just hit the tankathon simulator right there. 
just to see. Pacers now are sitting at eighth in terms of where they would draft. Um, you think maybe text Mark next time, be like, hey, jingle coming in 97. You would think that would <laughs> I can tap dance. With the first pick. Whoa, holy shit. And the 2023 NBA mock draft. Where's the PBR? The Indiana Pacers select Victor Webamyama from the Metropolitans, 92. He is now listed, by the way, at 7'5", 220 pounds. Is he really? Yeah. Colby Jones, 26th, and Jalen Hood Shafino, 29th, where they have about this right now? You have Washington, Portland, and Indiana, all with the same record. So they're tied 6-7-8 right now. Jake, if you look at 6 all the way to 14, they're separated by two games. Yeah, oh, I know. So if the Pacers start to win, folks, they're going to be drafting late lottery. Very, very quickly. Again, 14 games to go. The Pistons tonight uh, in Detroit. It'll be the G League for both of those teams pretty much. I'm a little bit in jest with that, but a lot of injuries for both those teams. Milwaukee coming up on Thursday and Philly on Saturday. Are we finally going to get Miles Turner and Joel Embiid on Saturday? And Miles Turner, by that I mean him staying on the floor. Oh, I was going to say we got it to the home game. Actually, like playing. I'll bet one, I'm going to say that one of the two of them sits. I want to say the Sixers have a back-to-back. I think they play Friday. So see? it could be Embiid out. Uh, you see Chris Beard, Ole Miss? Is that, the, is that for sure? From Jeff Goodman, college basketball analyst. He has got Chris Beard to Ole Miss in the next 24 to 48 hours. That kind of fits, right? That kind of checks. SEC hire? It does. And, boy, I mean, between Chris Beard and Lane Kiffin, do you have, like, coaches that have had more, like, kind of just, like... That's a hell of an athletic department. You know what I mean? Yeah. Speaking of SEC coaches, you remember Johnny Jones at LSU here recently? Coach there for a handful of seasons? Well, I saw that they're... uh, Wade, what's the... Will Wade. Will Wade just got hired somewhere. Uh, Johnny Jones is the coach of Texas Southern. So that's who uh, who Purdue could face potentially coming up on Friday. It's either that or Fairleigh Dickinson for the Boilermakers. Again, a 650 tip for them in Columbus. By All the right. way, one other thing. Well, I'm, I'll, I'll lead off the check down with breaking I, news. I, okay, before we get the breaking news, a little tease here. We're going to give out some numbers to end the show. So we'll begin our numbers giveaway here for the NCAA tournament. Again, some gift cards to give away. We'll make that announcement coming up here. Uh, around 9.40-ish, so we'll ask for some callers around that time. We'll obviously take callers for the pop quiz here coming up, 317-239-1070. It's a group it, effort today. It's a substitute teacher group effort pop quiz. It'll be all week long with Scotty out. And Mark, you have pinned at the top of our Twitter page the bracket challenge, yep. correct? Show bracket challenge. Uh, yeah, so join up. Just click on the link. Otherwise, just search Kevin and Query on ESPN. Uh, and you'll find it right there. We should probably put one of those gift cards for the bracket challenge one or two, right? Or do we? Can we not speak on that? Oh boy, is that a little too much money to be throwing out there? No, we we'll have to take away one of our ways to win. We'll take away runner up. Okay, so, so you got to take away so the runner three up. Three ways to win in the numbers game now. All right, three and ways. Then to one will go to the bracket challenge. Correct. Winner, Jake Query's breaking news to lead off the morning checkdown. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 
on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, the breaking news is this. I can see a few snow flurries outside, and I can see a dusting of snow atop one of the buildings here on Monument Circle. But I had asked when uh, the date was. Mark, What have I asked you several times what you thought the date was going to be when something happens? The date that something happens. On Monument Circle, I said, what do you think is going to be the day that such and such happens? The water's put back in the Water's in the fountains, baby. They picked a hell of a time to do it. (laughs) Time to take a dip. It is is March Madness, Are we still doing the ice bucket challenge? We could go out there to the fountain. Well, I'm just telling you, the the fountains are running. They might have jumped the gun on that a little bit. We shall see. Speaking of running, Purdue running to a Big Ten title. Regular season champs and tournament champs. Jake, I don't think it's hyperbole to say Purdue just accomplished one of the finest Big Ten seasons we've seen in quite some time. No doubt. And again, I... And that's not even factoring in what they lost and we, how young they are. You know, we talked about it earlier, and it's probably accurate. Purdue this year did what they were supposed to do a year ago, and they made up for last year's. And now, you know, a year ago, they were still thought to be a team that could make a deep tournament run and get to a Final Four for Matt Painter. Uh, you know, we know what happened with St. Peter's, but now is the chance for them to make good on that. And they have undoubtedly... There's the our Purdue audience. Crap well, I can't use the peacock, peacock sound. They have undoubtedly the most stoppable, play, the most unstoppable player in the country in Zach Eady. The question becomes the supporting cast that is necessary to kind of be the thing that pushes them over the top in really close games against great teams. And that piston has not fired as well lately. This might be a really small thing for Purdue. But I do think it's something that matters in the tournament. You know, I was texting a good buddy of mine who's a Purdue fan last night, brought up, you know, Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein getting hot in that Elite Eight run a few years ago. Oftentimes, Jake, if you walk into a gym and you play two games there in three days and it's a gym you just feel good shooting in, that's a good thing for you. And that could be the difference in making a tournament run. Again, Purdue at Ohio State this year, one of their best shooting performances of the season from behind the arc. I might be nitpicking a little bit there, but Purdue will play there in the first two rounds. They were 41% from three in Columbus earlier this year. That obviously is a far cry from what they've been here as of late, including Fletcher Lawyer shot it well that night. So good news for Purdue on that front. Again, a one seed for them. They are in the East region. It'll be Columbus starting on Friday. They'll play the play-in winner between Texas Southern and Fairleigh Dickinson. Memphis, Florida Atlantic is the 8-9. That's a 31-team 31 win team in Florida Atlantic led by Dusty May. And if they get to the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, Purdue, that will be in Madison Square Garden. Uh, did you mention that Indiana plays the Friday night late game? No, on TBS? all you. All okay. you. Hit them with the Indiana stuff. Uh, Indiana is the four seed. They will take on Kent State, who knocked them out of the tournament in Mike Davis's uh, interim year, or first year in the tournament, I should say. And then the next year, Indiana, of course, went to the Final Four after defeating Kent State in the Elite Eight. But that game's going to be 9.50 on Friday. That's on TBS, tentatively 9.50, probably a little later than that. On Spiro's TBS. on the call, right, Mark? Let's kick some ass. <laughs> he is. You want me to get him on the show? Spe- and, and I will say this about Spiro. You know, Spiro has a stigma against him, which, understandably. That uh, you created. No, he, he's just the AFC South caller. He's the CBS AFC South caller. I do think on college basketball, he's good. What and is, I love the, the color woman, Debbie Antonelli's on the call, former Fever color announcer. She does an outstanding job. She's in the NCAA tournament rotation annually. She did Notre Dame's games last year, so that will be the crew that uh, Indiana gets. What is she part of the Antonelli in? Cheese Shop? You know that commercial? Oh, tr- do I know it? It's ingrained in my brain. Where are the Antonelli's? What conference 
in college basketball is the equivalent of the NFL's AFC South. Like if you were oh, a college basketball play by play guy, it's like, oh, you're doing these games every week and you're like, Ugh. Yeah, probably like the American. That's probably pretty good, yeah. This week you've gotten Cincinnati and Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. Ron Hunter and Tulane <laughs> against Southern Southern Miss in the yeah. American. I have <laughs> that no sounds idea. right. Yeah. That uh, sounds yeah, right. That sounded good. Uh, as Jake said, Indiana Kent State late on Friday. If they win, Miami and Drake. That is the five twelve matchup in that region. If you want to project Indiana further, Albany for the first two rounds, Kansas City. Is it still called Kemper Arena? It, you know what? So funny you mentioned that. When I was just in Kansas City, uh, I asked my buddy Corey Lagerstrom. I'm not sure what bingo card that is for you guys. Got to go deep in the. That might um, be a full. I said, "Hey, your card." I said to him, "I go, Corey, do they still have, they still play at Kemper?" And Kemper Arena, which is the the, the long standing arena in Kansas City, uh, is still there, but it's kind of like our Fairgrounds Coliseum. It's used more for like conventions stuff like that. T-Mobile Center is the new arena in downtown Kansas City, and that's this where it's High V Arena. What's that? High V Arena. H Y dash V E E. Is that what did they just rename it then? It must have been, yeah. I mean, it was. That would make sense for that part of the country, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I think it was T Mobile when they. How, does it say what year the High V Arena began? No. I mean, it just says that's what's called right now. Uh, NCAA women's bracket, Indiana, the second overall seed. So unbelievable by Terry Morin for what they've accomplished. That means they will host um, coming up later this week. Um, they're actually going to play a the winner of the playing game, very similar to Purdue. Um, so they'll play at Assembly Hall for the first two rounds. It's the Greenville region, so then they'll head to Greenville um, for the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Utah is the two seed. LSU is the three in their region. Notre Dame will host as a three seed. And Purdue, they're going to play in the play-in game for the women. So shout-out to Katie Gerald's bunch. So we've got three state schools in uh, from Indiana. And a, we mentioned this earlier. Purdue women in the play-in, that will also be in Columbus. So that's going to take place Thursday against St. John's, and then the men's team will play Friday in their opening round game there. By the on, way, on team- May 17, 2018, Midwestern grocery store chain Hy-Vee secured the naming rights, naming the arena's official name Hy-Vee Arena. But that's Kemper. Well, yeah, but now it's Hy-Vee. Understood. T-Mobile is the arena where the NCAA tournament's playing. Okay. Well, so Kemper's their old arena that's now called High V. I'm just trying to educate and entertain. <laughs> T-Mobile is where the turn. They're they're like that's a lot of arenas for Kansas City. It, it like I said, it would be the equivalent of like the Fairgrounds Coliseum and then Gamebridge Fieldhouse. But again, no NBA team, no yeah. hockey team. I know that. Well, they, you know what they have a. How about this? They have a hockey team there. I noticed no this on NHL the way teams. What I meant. They have a like a AAA hockey team and they play in Dahmer Arena. No. Mm, boy, talk about a hostile environment. What's the status of the meat in there? Man, road teams are winless. What is, what well, is the status of the meat, Mark? I'm sorry. I'll try to try to get rid of the Boy, snow. nothing says like, hey, call us for the pop quiz after that. And it, the meat's on ice, too. That's what makes it weird. Then we'll right? do some NCAA numbers to round out the show. Pop well, quiz next. Come over and have a beer with me. Don't go. <laughs> have you studied... Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. All right, Jake, uh, Pop Quiz time. Again, substitute teacher version. And then we'll close out the show giving away some March Madness numbers. Uh, Please tease again the gift cards. Jay's Lobster, right? That is correct. Jay's Lobster and Fish House, which is at Bottle Works right here in downtown Indianapolis. So we're talking. 
Yeah, I mean, lobster Delicious. rolls, crab rolls. If you are the winner on our number giveaway, um, national champion, if you have the team that wins the national championship, you're talking $100 in free dinner at uh, Jay's Lobsters and Fish House. I love the garage. Two other ways to win. The, the other two prizes will each be $50 gift cards to the restaurant. Um, you can be the lowest, or excuse me, the double-digit seed that advances the furthest with tiebreakers to that, or the team that gets blown out by the largest margin. So regardless of what team you get, it keeps you in the hunt to be interested. Uh, Mark, we've got a lot of guests coming on this week. NCAA tournament focus, certainly a lot of Colts mm-hmm. free agency news. Um, just a little bit of a rundown. Uh, Bruce Weber, you said tomorrow? Bruce Weber tomorrow at 9.30. Rafael Davis Wednesday at 9.30. We've got a bunch of irons in the fire as well. And then we're also going to have David Padgett on Wednesday mm-hmm. at 9. Uh, those will probably recall that name in the area. He was the interim uh, in at Louisville when Rick Pitino, that whole fiasco, went down. Yeah, Jake, he called Kent State's conference championship win. So oh, we'll cool. get a little bit of insight into Kent State with David yeah. along with some other tournament thoughts with him coming up on Wednesday. So, yeah, good going to be a fun week here to balance in the madness for the NFL and, of course, March Madness. Now, our our pop quiz here is NCAA tournament related. Correct? I've never seen you with so many papers in front of you. I know. You like that? What are all those? Well, I printed out the numbers game, and then I had the, the information on the sponsor for it, and then uh, I, I'm doing nine, 19 brackets. Oh, are you one of those? No, I'm not. God, Isn't that the best? I mean, uh, I've got, there. I had St. Peter's in the Elite Eight. Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> in one of my brackets. Hang on, yeah. Um, the pop quiz today, Jake came up with two questions. I came up with three of them. That is what the format is. And Jake, I, I thought it was a great one you asked the Pacers one. Uh, I think it's pretty doable, though. Yeah, it's pretty doable. It is pretty doable. Uh, a number one through eight. Uh, we'll go with number, well, all teams are shooting for the final four, so we'll go with four. Okay. Mark. Oh, how fitting. Mark, what's up? What is up, gentlemen? Before we start, i got to tell you real quick. Ooh. I played college basketball in Kansas City, and I played at Kemper Arena. I'm guessing I'm the only guy listening that played a college <laughs> basketball game at Kemper Arena. Mark, now, where'd did you play? I was a Missouri-Kansas City fighting kangaroos. Kangaroos, baby. Go. Are they still in the Summit League? Yes, they've moved around. They were in the WAC for a while. They're back in the summit. Mark, who was the guy? What year were you there? 82 to 86. So who was the guy that would have been after you? Was it Tony Dumas? They had a guy that was... What's that? Went to Dallas. One more time, I'm sorry. Tony Dumas got drafted, went to Dallas, and flamed out, but did did have a cup of coffee in the big leagues. Yeah, he was a good player. Were you guys any good? Yeah, we were uh, we were transitioning to Division One, much like an IUPUI. Mm-hmm. Um, the D two uh, schools in Missouri, like Southeast Missouri State, this year they're playing in the big dance. Like we'd go play Southeast, we'd play Southwest, Central. We did, played a handful of D ones every year. Where did you grow up, Mark? I'm a Marion Giant. Oh man, so you would have been a Marion? Did you play with Blackman? Yes. Right before Purple Rain, right? Yeah, uh, those guys were eighth graders when I was a senior. Wow, Marvin Menzies, the head coach at UMKC, he was the head coach at New Mexico State when I was a senior and covered IU in the tournament when they played New Mexico State in the first round. Uh, Mark, He's you had success. I'm hopeful he can. Yeah, get yeah, he had a nice run at New Mexico State. Yeah. So, Mark, you live in the Indianapolis area now, obviously, um, and you're a Marion Giant. Did you stay out there at all after school, or did you basically come right back? 
I did. Um, I moved to Michigan in 87 or 88, so I was there about six years, 82 through 88. Mark. Um, used to play uh, used to play a lot of ball with the guys from Kansas, got to know David Bagley really well, Mr. Basketball in 78 from South Bend LaSalle. And great days. Mark, what's your what's your favorite number? One through sixty-four. Uh, twenty-four. Uh, we're gonna get Mark. He is gonna be our first number giveaway. Because Mark, he's the most athletic caller in the history of the that's show. That's right. Uh, Mark, do you uh, let me ask you something. Are you a fan of brushing your teeth? No. Do you have nice teeth? A decent. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mark, you got Colgate. Colgate in the uh, tournament. Keep in mind, two ways to win aside from winning the national title. You get the team that gets blown out by the largest margin, or if you are the double-digit seed. Now, to why did you go the there furthest. first with Colgate? You don't think they could beat Texas? You, you immediately went to blowout. <laughs> no, no, no. I said, or the double-digit seed to advance the furthest. He could still win. I guess, they're, I guess their coach is rumored to potentially be Notre Dame. Uh, Mark, would you like – I mean, smart, smart team, right? That's yeah, right. Smart for sure. Smart for it's sure. funny. I've always thought of Colgate as this like elite, borderline Ivy League school, and that's Cornell. I, Colgate Patriot I League is, is that right? I think that's right. Yeah. Mark, would you like for me? That would be Jake, or for Kevin to lead you off with question number one here in the pop quiz. Go for it, Jake. All right, here we go, Mark. Am I leading with yours or mine, Kevin? Uh, whatever. Uh, here we go. Mark, question number one. What school has the record for the most Final Four appearances amongst schools that have never actually won the NCAA tournament? In other words, this team has been to six Final Fours. They have never won the national title. Is it Purdue, Texas, Houston, or Gonzaga? Um, you could say they have a problem. Yeah, Houston. That was gonna. That was my first thought. Houston or Texas? Let's go with Houston. Mark number two. Where is the final four held this year for the men's tournament? Can I get a multiple choice? Um, my hint will be Houston, Jim. Houston. Houston. Uh, I was gonna say Jim Nance is calling it quits Houston. for a reason this year. Houston. All right. Next question for you. There are two current Pacers who have played in the final four as collegians. Name either. Um, the rookie guard from Gonzaga um, played here in Indiana. Nemhart. Uh, nice. Yes. All right, Mark. Number four. Which of these four Big Ten teams made the NCAA men's tournament? Rutgers, Wisconsin, Michigan, or Maryland? Wow. Uh, Maryland. All right, here we go, Mark. Which is the greater Marion Giant, James Blackman or Jay Edwards? You can't do that to me. <laughs> All right, Mark. I, I played with James. We'll go with James, but uh, Jay's uh, 1B. Man, Jay Edwards, I'm telling you. The, um, the actual last question is this. Which of these four women's teams from the state of Indiana did not make the women's NCAA tournament? Is it Indiana, Purdue, IUPUI, or Notre Dame? IUPUI. IUPUI, Mark goes with. Man, oh, man. Uh, Mark. Winner, winner, right, Mark? Winner, winner, yeah. baby. Come on now. Yeah. Mark, a, great effort, a man. A giant and a kangaroo, and Mark... Shout out uh, to the kangaroos. One would think you actually would have gone to Colgate because you're obviously pretty sharp. Mark, did you guys have a live mascot? No, but I will tell you a quick story. Walt Disney was from St. Louis, grew up, had a studio in Kansas City, 
and we were called the University of Kansas City, and he penned the first mascot. And so when they jumped to D1, there was a move to change the mascot, much like IUPUI. And the alumni were pretty upset because of Walt's connection, so they kept it, which I think was a great idea. Oh, did you well, did you guys wear kangaroos? I mean, that would have been right around the time that Walter Payton was wearing ruse. Did you guys have a an endorsement deal with ruse? It's so funny you say that. So coming from Marion, we had shoes galore, right? We wore ponies when I was a senior. I get to UMKC, and they put us in, in kangaroos, and we're like, this is the worst basketball shoe ever made. Like, we can't, we can't wear these. We actually had a revolt. And the coaching staff, the coaching staff agreed, and, and we ended up getting something else. They were awful. I love that. Those ended up with some Brooks or Avias, right? Mark, did you ever uh, go to UMKC IEPY games over the jungle? Buddy of mine played at IEPY, so I actually have seen them play a few times. Yeah, I did, and I had a friend that said, no, we can't sit behind IUPUI's bench because it's it's not PG. So, yeah, we would sit over. They had a Corver, right? They had one of the Corvers at one point, didn't yeah. they? Yep, yep. They've had a lot of turnover. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, uh, it's been a fortune. I, I, I do think they've got a good staff in place, so we'll see what happens. Mark, appreciate calling, man. Have a great week, and congrats. Thank you. You guys as well. Great show. Five for five for Mark there to start March Madness week. When we come back and round things out, we will give away a few more numbers here for the NCAA tournament. So give us a call, 317-239-1070. Okay, here's what's at stake. Again, as we had mentioned, not at stake, but rather at lobster. Try Jay's Lobster and Fish Market in the Garage Food Hall in the Bottle Works District, downtown Indy, one of Indianapolis Monthly's best restaurants of 2021, specializing in lobster rolls, but also serving up crab and shrimp rolls. New England-style seafood shack right here in Indianapolis, and we have dinner for many to give away here for our numbers game. The rules are simple. You call in, you give us a number, 1 to 64, each number corresponds with a team that has been selected randomly on our list of 64 teams. You get that team. That is your team that you're assigned to. We write down your name. And then if your team either wins the national championship, in which case you get $100 worth of dinner, if not the national champion, then the double-digit seed to advance the furthest or the team that gets blown up by the largest margin. And for those that aren't able to get on the airwaves or just simply whatever, can't call for whatever reason, uh, our bracket challenge, Mark has that up pinned to the top of our Twitter page. That is Kevin and Query. I think I retweeted it last night as well, so you can head to uh, my Twitter page as well, KBowen1070, to find that out. Bracket challenge through ESPN again this year. Okay, now... Kevin, we know that Mark just took number 24, and that is Colgate. Uh-huh. Uh, the only other number that is taken, oh. because she is the official number oh, assigner, yeah. uh-huh. uh, number one is off the board. Valerie has Duke. Ooh. Five-seeded Duke. Collusion there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's not like they're a number one seed. Uh, who do we have here on the line? we got time to do a couple of them here. Pop quiz integrity there. Uh, let's go with uh, Eric, Mark. Okay. Eric, what's Eric. up? Who? You, uh, favorite number, Eric? We'll go with six. Number six, Eric. Who? Have you ever you ever Who? been to Georgia? Who? Yes. Outside of Georgia, I believe this is where they are. Outside of Atlanta, the Owls of Kennesaw State. <laughs> Kennesaw State. You don't have a, you don't have an owl. Some good have handy. I got other. Right I got other Mark animals. Guy. More common <laughs> animals. We got here. All right. Who's next? I thought that was a pretty damn good owl. I just Not did. Terrence, give us a number. Terrence. Fifteen. Ter- Terrence came right after. Ooh, Terrence. Terrence, Terrence, you a Purdue fan? Yeah. 
Am I a Purdue fan? Of course. Oh, boy. Second round Terrence, matchup. how old a fella are you? I'm 44 years old. Man, right in your wheelhouse when this guy was playing back in the days of Lil Penny. And he's now coaching. Memphis is off the board. The Tigers of Memphis go to Terrence. Okay. <laughs> was that a tiger? That was like a cougar, but who cares? Boy, well, Tiger Woods would check both those boxes. All right, there. who's next? Uh, let's go with Scott. What's up, Scott? Hey, how's it going? What's your favorite number, Scott? 1 to 64. Or 60, oh, 68? because we can't get out of over Andrew Luck. Let's go with number 12. Number 12. Ooh, Scott. Do you know what school has won more NCAA tournaments than any other? Uh, UNC? No, the school's won 11 of them. They won 10 with John Wooden, and then John Herrick won, uh, took them to one. Or Jim Herrick, Kentucky. excuse me. Not John Herrick from WABC, Jim <laughs> Herrick. What's that? Kentucky? No, John Wooden coached him. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played there, but he was Lou Alcindor back then. Bill Walton played there. Oh, Lord, I am terrible at It's that. in Westwood. Um, Scott, just say UCLA. Near Hollywood. Hang up. <laughs> uh, I, I, think it, I think it's UCLA. There we go, UCLA. For Scott, boy. Yeah, he was asleep. I think he was the Bruin in hibernation. Bruin? Yeah, it's a bear. <laughs> hibernation okay. from Scott there. That's right. Uh, just next? to clarify, we have the play-in teams grouped together, right? Correct. One to 64. Correct. Okay. Uh, let's do one more here to round it out. Let's go with my brother's name because it's his birthday tomorrow. Let's go with Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Hey, what's going on? Ryan, give us a number. Let's do number 10. Do you have a significance to number 10, Ryan? It's my daughter's volleyball number. Oh, okay. That's go. fun. Uh, Ryan. It's also the amount of years this team's best player has been in, Gonzaga. No question. The Bulldogs of Gonzaga, also known as the Zags, <laughs> off the board. Awesome. How about Gonzaga's year this year? No, no, don't play an ad. Jeez. Do you not have a bulldog? I just played a dog barking. Well, bulldogs don't bark, they just snort and Mm, and do something. Gonzaga went from like preseason rank super high to kind of fading a bit, and then they end it in a three seed. One of the more iconic games the NCAA tournament has seen in the last 20 years. UCLA, Gonzaga. In the Sweet 16, Adam Morrison, tears down his face as Gonzaga blew that lead late. Jake, that's a matchup we could get in Las Vegas. Gonzaga and UCLA, three did, seed and two seed. Who did Gonzaga beat? I can't believe I, I have to ask this already. When Jalen Suggs hit the shot here. They beat, Was that UCLA? Boy, yeah, because UCLA was the uh, was the playing team, right? They got hot. I think that's right, yeah. Michael Lewis is an yeah. assistant there. Yeah. Uh, and then what was it Baylor Houston? Was that the other Final Four matchup? Did Baylor just smoke Houston? Correct. That was the COVID year, of course. Uh, we'll continue to give away some numbers tomorrow and throughout the rest of the week. Again, our bracket page is up, uh, pinned to our Twitter show account. Kevin a lot of Perry. lot of teams to give away, so I'm sure we'll give away a lot in the seven, eight o'clock hours as well going yep. forward. Lots to cover today, of course, and recapping the Carolina trade up to number one. Again, Tyquan Lewis has been re-signed by the Colts. Uh, I'm a fan of that deal. Short, cheap injury incentive. Um, I think that makes a lot of He's sense. He's not short and cheap. The deal is, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. thank you for clarifying that. Any uh, uh, any, nice any thoughts that the Colts will make any significant noise today? I'll believe it when I see noon it. noon comes around? I, I, I'll believe it when I see it. I think there should be more activity. Do we have a um, Colt noise? I think interior offensive line needs help. I think you could use a pass catcher. I mean, you got to get a veteran quarterback in at some point. Um, and then... Do you, do you though? Oh, I think you got to get a bridge, yeah. I think you got to get something. You don't go with Sam Ellinger? No, I your think backup. I think Ellinger's your third, and have a veteran backup. It's been in the league, and can tut- you know have some tutelage for right. that. 
young QB. Again, the Colts typically not very active on this day. We'll see if some of their own. Bobby Okereke, probably the most likely to find a new home. We'll see about Yannick Ngakwe, Paris Campbell. You don't just keep Nick Foles? I don't think Nick Foles wants to be here. That's probably true. I think his relationship with Frank Reich and Matt Ryan were the only reason. Here's your horse sound. You were here. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Mark Bobby Okereke, is he a bear coming up today? I sure hope so. Well, what would that sound like? A bear? You want the bear growl again? <laughs> yeah, sure. I thought for a second they were going to have to give Scott's team away with his effort with UCLA. <laughs> yeah, I almost felt like that was somebody, else, for a somebody else should have UCLA. They could win the whole thing. Thank you to Bob Kravitz. Thank you to Joel A. Erickson. It's going to be a fun week here on Kevin and Query. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you tomorrow.